podcast. So we're a bit delayed getting this recorded, but we do have it recorded. So let's talk about the stuff at D23. Specifically in this episode, um, the Star Wars announcements, the Indiana Jones announcements, the um, the Star Wars announcements, the Indiana Jones announcements, and the uh, Marvel announcements. Right, and just like we did with the last one, uh, there's plenty of crap for both of these, for well, for all of these. So uh, uh, let's go with. It's uh, the reason why we split it into two episodes. Yeah, we were crazy enough to think that that was going to be one. I'm glad you made the call in the middle of the other one to to split it because yeah, it, I didn't even realize it was what two hours. Yeah, we we would have been going for another two, and uh, I was in the middle of of a work crisis, so <laughs> <laughs> that was not going to work out too well. Right. All right. So I think we'll start with the regular. Uh, when I say regular, I mean. Regular Disney animated studios kind of fair and Pixar, uh, and then we'll close out with uh, you know your Lucas films and Marvels and whatnot. Uh, before we start, did you get the links? I did. Okay, cool. All right, so um, we'll start with regular Walt Disney Studios, and the first thing on the list is Hocus Pocus Two. We have a official trailer for Hocus Pocus Two. Uh, well, I knew that this would. I actually didn't watch this trailer because I don't care about Hocus Pocus. I'm sorry to all the people of a certain age that offends, but uh, the still they all look like you would expect them to look. Uh, I'm amazed that they look as good as they do, considering this movie is what almost 30 years old. It is actually 30 years old. Uh, 1992. 92 or 93 so um here was always my thing with this is this would be had been one of those long developed long rumored projects and one of the things that you heard for a good little while was not that that the all the original cast wanted to come back they were fine the issue was finding the right story and also finding a spot on the release calendar this is kind of in disney's issue with national treasure is that you know when you have such a large IP catalog, you only have so many release dates on the calendar to fill. And so it was really about finding a place for a Hocus Pocus 2, which, look, let's face it, did not make a ton of money back in the early 90s. It just became a seasonal staple of the Halloween season through um, first uh, Family Channel and then Freeform. And then uh, whatever it's called now. Um, it's the, Freeform. The, yeah, the uh, it was something else in between that. Fox Family or something, I want to say. It, um, we can't. It, it's a it's a long, long storied history with that channel. But uh, it was ABC Family, Fox Family, and Freeform all the different times. Freeform is what it is right now. And the Family Channel was the original. Um, just plain Family Channel. Yes, I believe that's correct. And they all started the thirty the thirty one days of Halloween, right? And uh, that was a spinoff of their twenty five days of Christmas. And so, as part of the rotation of that uh, thirty one days of Halloween, you got Hocus Pocus played a lot, and so it developed a cult following in a Edward Scissorhands kind of way, and because of the fans and because of the demand, and then because of you know 
the need for content on Disney+. Plus. We finally are getting Hocus Pocus 2, which brings back Doug, Doug, Doug Jones um, in, as the uh, zombie. Um, it brings back the original three, uh, which is led by Bette Midler. And the only thing that doesn't appear to be coming back are the two, the three original human members of the cast and um, the black cat, which turned into a live human at the end, um, also is not returning. But they do have a fairly diverse cast of new young people to scare. So my my thing with this, my whole thing with this movie is um, like you talked about the real like the release time. The thing about it is it was always going to be structured around, you know, Halloween. This was one of the first things they announced was going to happen. I I can't remember if they announced it when Disney Plus like first dropped or if, like they announced it right before it dropped. But um I know the last so yeah, they it had to be really soon because when like 2 years ago in 20 in 2020 um, people were kind of waiting to see if it was going to drop that year because they had, they had announced it well enough in advance that people thought they had already shot it and it was going to be released in 2020. Um, and then we found out they shot it in they shot it in 2020, I believe, or towards the end beginning of 2021. So then people were questioning if it was going to be last year. I know that they were. I know that it. I'm pretty sure they were close to to being they shot it sometime in 2021 where it was plausible that it could come out in 2021 but now it's finally here it's it's been three years of people really waiting for this movie to come and you know for those that have an attachment to the first one uh good for you at some point i'll probably watch this trailer i might watch the movie if people want to watch it in this house but uh it doesn't move my needle any bit, but I know there are a lot of people that it does, so I'm happy for them. I mean, it's a great way to kick off spooky season, and in the middle of spooky season last year, they dropped the the official announcement trailer from Bette Midler's Twitter page, and Bette Midler has been very active on Twitter about letting people know updates on what's going on. The original director is attached as a, I believe, as a maybe not as a writer, but I know he's attached as a producer. So there is some some lineage there. Um, they've been very open with the fact that this wouldn't have happened without the fans. Um, yes, you are right. It was announced right at the launch of Disney Plus. Okay. Um, it was kind of one of their big selling points was that you right. eventually be. And then a small thing called COVID happened, and they were in yeah. the middle of pre production, and then that kind of caused everything to go crazy. Um, but we did get the teaser last October. And here we are a year later and we're finally going to get the movie and we get a trailer and you don't have to do the beauty of Disney plus is you don't have to do an expensive marketing campaign. Like you can just let people know that it's on there. Look at what Netflix does. (laughs) You know, Netflix just lets you know that it's on there and then you, they, they run, they run their algorithm and push it at you every time you turn on Netflix. Like I guarantee you on the 30th, when this film drops, it will be, the number one slide followed by She-Hulk followed by Andor. Like that's how that'll work. And people who are in the know who love this thing will be waiting for it to drop. Like it's a fresh episode of stranger things. And 
those and those people who are just discovering it because it's spooky seasonal will discover it during spooky season. But like, I think this is going to be a content driver for them, especially during the the spooky season. And I think that it's going to be a really good movie because it's. I, I know that you made some fun of Morbius uh, this weekend um, with your your finally debasing yourself enough to watch that film. But, like, you had a very good discourse on what 90s movies are. And Hocus Pocus was the kind of 90s movie Disney made in that time, mostly under their Touchstone banner. And they're the kinds of movies that don't get made anymore. And so I'm interested to see if they keep that tone, that tenor, and that pacing from 30 years ago and update it for today. Uh, so that that's one thing I am interested in with this, as well as, you know, that Miller is still singing. Well, yeah, that's right. I forgot they do do a little bit of singing in that. Uh, like, yeah, the, she does the uh, I put a spell on you um, in the uh, in the gym with the parents. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I, I think I've only ever seen this movie all the way through once. And I think it was last year. So. Uh, I, I I know what happens in it. I know the premise and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, at the ins and outs, I'm still, you know, kind of whatever on. All right, let's move on to the Disenchanted. So this is the sequel to um, the the this earlier. This was also movie. announced a hot minute ago. Yes, I, I, so hot, so far away that I actually forgot about it until this happened. Um, but Enchanted, you know, start Amy Adams, Patrick Dempsey, uh, James Marsden and others. And this is a sequel where uh, uh, the whole premise of Enchanted was basically a Disney princess comes to the real world and shenanigans ensue. Uh, she lives happily ever after. So or so we're told. And now Disenchanted is let's see what this happily ever after really looks like. And it looks like she's moving to the suburbs and it's kind of not happy completely in her life and some kind of way she turns kind of evil. That's what the look of this is. And I did watch this trailer um, because I did, while I've only seen it chanted like a handful of times, maybe just twice. I really liked it. I liked the whole premise of it. So I was excited to see what they were going to do with this one. Um, They didn't, I mean, one of the the selling points of the first Enchanted was that she was coming from the cartoon world into ours and how that played off each other. There wasn't a lot of animated stuff in this trailer, uh, but but there was a shot or two of some, enough to remind you that, yeah, this was a thing that happened in the first. Uh, I think fans fans of the first one will will probably flock to see this one. Uh, I don't know how many new fans you're going to get out of it, but... uh, I think it'll I think Disney Plus is the perfect place for something like this. I mean, I definitely agree, although with the star power attached and the nostalgia factor, I'm sure you could you could make a mint at the box office, but it has been 15 years or so. Um, I'm excited for this movie for one reason. I love Maya Rudolph. <laughs> I absolutely love Maya Rudolph and I love Amy Adams, and so I'm always on board for any kind of of a comedy that those two can get themselves into. And I really like the idea of coming back to something years later and putting a new spin, not necessarily putting a new spin on it, but looking at it through different eyes. Um, because the way that you are, uh, 
the way you view things when you're, you know, 15 years down the road is different from the way you view them in the moment. And so I'm really interested in this premise and, and how we go from there. Right. And yeah, the movie, the original came out in 2007. So it's been 15 years. And uh, yeah, there is quite a bit of star power in here. Uh, I knew who Amy Adams was before, when Enchanted came out, but she's a much bigger star now. Uh, James Marsden, you know, if you know him, you know him. But Adina Menzel, most people may not know her name. They might not know her face, but they'll know her voice now because she is the voice of Elsa in Frozen. So if you need another reason to to tune into Disenchanted, uh, she's she's in both. She's in Enchanted and Disenchanted, and that is your actual Elsa. Yeah, and just and it, it's nice that that these kind of projects can find a home on Disney Plus, where you can continue on continue on these franchises in ways that are positive. And I must say that. Uh, for people like we got to see the trailers for they put up the trailers for um Hocus Pocus 2 and Disenchanted. Um, but there some of the things we're gonna talk about next, people in D23 got to see and have descriptions out there. Uh, but they didn't put up any trailers for I don't think anything else. Oh wait, there's one other thing. Um and we'll get to that. Yeah, they put up they later. put up trailers for Andor. Uh, because that's so close. Um, oh no, I was, and, I was speaking just of like the the Disney stuff, and there's at least one because that one. We'll, we'll talk about that one. It's, it's down at the bottom, towards the bottom. All right, so let's continue on our journey with uh, Disney deciding that they needed to rip up the legacy of Joe Wright in his wonderful Pan movie. What Pan movie is that? That is the Pan movie that apparently only I saw, directed by Joe Wright. Which had Hugh Jackman as Captain Hook, and uh, you know, uh, smells like Teen Spirit, and all of the things. <laughs> okay, so is it just called Peter Pan? No, it's just called Pan. It is just oh. called Pan, and it was directed by Joe Wright, and it came out the same year as Mortal Instruments. And I love both of those films, and I was the only person to see them in a the theater. I completely forgot about that movie. That was uh That was July 2019, I want to say. 2018 maybe. Wait, you sure it's, you sure it's just called Pan cuz the one I'm looking at that says just Pan is one that has um old boy from Tron as Captain Hook. Uh Yep. Uh well there there should be one with Hugh Jackman in it. I'm uh, because they and had, this is the, and and this one's directed by Joe Wright. Yeah, that that must have been the one. I could have sworn that Hugh Jackman was in it, and they did the whole "Smells Like Teen Spirit" thing. But again, it's been a hot minute. No, Hugh Jackman is in it, but he's yep. Blackbeard. Blackbeard. That's what that. It was, yeah. Okay, I've seen parts of this because yeah, Garrett Hung, Garrett Hutland is Hook, but he's not really Hook yet. Uh, and Blackbeard is their the, friends. Yeah, it's a prequel. Yeah, yeah, Blackbeard is the uh, is the uh, the villain. I see parts of it. He did a weird thing where like Tinkerbell. He did a weird thing where like Tinkerbell is part of the reason why Pan and Hook break. You know, stop being friends. Yeah, I. So I've never seen. I don't think I've seen the whole thing. I've seen parts of it, just enough to know that that much. Uh, oh yeah, because it was. I remember. I remember. Because Rooney Mara is uh, Tiger Lily, and there was this whole 
big thing because she's playing a Native American and she is clearly not. Yeah, I forgot about that. Okay, uh, I think that's enough of that tangent because we'll be here forever if we keep doing that. All right, so yes, uh, as the illusion by Brian and Pan, uh, we're Disney is continuing what it does, and that is remaking all of its animated fare, and they're remaking Peter Pan, uh, titling this one Peter Pan and Wendy. Uh, but it is a remake of the uh, classic Disney Disney uh, cartoon. This is one we didn't get a trailer for. We do have a just a poster, and it shows the sails of uh, the Jolly Roger, uh, Captain Hook's pirate ship. Uh, in the middle of clouds and you see, it looks like you see Captain Hook and Peter at the very top, but it's, it's a far away shot and you see lost boys in the background and, and birds and, and whatnot. So, uh, this one, uh, the cast, I do not know any of these kids, uh, Alexander, um, Maloney as Peter Pan ever. Anderson as Wendy, Alyssa, uh, Wapanaka, as Tiger Lily, they did not make the same mistake the pan did. And the the only one that I know is Jude Law, who is playing Captain Hook. Uh, which makes me wonder if he's also playing Mr. Darling, which is normally what happens. But that's neither here nor there right now. It's going to be on Disney+. Plus. It looks like it's coming in next year in Disney+. Plus, But uh, we just know that we're getting Peter Pan and Wendy. How I have no idea what to expect from this. Uh, the the Disney animated remakes have been, I want to say it's largely been misses. However, most of them have made money. I don't know how to judge the ones strictly on Disney Plus. Because that uh that Pinocchio movie is not people do not say kind things about that. Well, apparently it's uh it's kind of creepy in their CGI usage way, so <sighs> I'm gonna have I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that just to see what see what everybody's I mean, saying about it. It's not quite cats level bad apparently, but it's like something different for sure. I'm glad you said that because comparing it to cats might make yeah that might give me a appropriate gauge uh, because cats is awful. Says the man who paid money to sit in a theater and see du- Judy Dench's uncgi'd hand. I mean, I paid money to see it in the theater. I paid money to buy the Blu-ray, which I'm pretty sure is looking at me somewhere over here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, if anybody ever questioned the love of my daughter, you shouldn't after that. Chad went sober to Cats for his own, for his daughter's love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let me tell you, I'm not an advocate of, of going to see movies under the influence of any kind. But if you're going to see Cats... You do yourself the favor. It that's probably the best way to go. Indeed. Uh, so let's move on to sort of a surprise uh, that came out of D twenty three. Something <laughs> that that I know uh, Del Toro had talked about doing for a while and had pitched Disney on, um, and and has a uh, uh, Eddie Murphy movie in its past. But nonetheless, let's talk about what uh, what the surprise was that Disney dropped at D twenty three. Well. This is one they announced before, but again, like some of the other ones, we've forgotten about. They put but, some bones on it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, we got we got some concrete things. But uh, Disney, as again with the trend to make movies out of their properties, 
we got announcement, official announcement of their Haunted Mansion movie, uh, the next, the new one. Because like Brian said, there is one that stars Eddie Murphy. Uh, never seen it, but I don't think it's very good. Uh, but we got more information that about it. That was in his Adventures of Pluto Nash run, so. Ooh, man. I, yeah, yeah that, that was another kind of bad. But uh, this Haunted Mansion, we got the information. Um, the director is, his name is Justin Simeon. I don't know anything about him. Um, uh, you know, it's inspired by the ride. And the big surprise that people at D23 got was that um, Jamie Lee Curtis came out. If you've ever rode Haunted Mansion, they have these little specific little buggies things that you ride. And one of those just came out with the back to the audience and it turned around and Jamie Lee Curtis was in there waving and and people were excited. And she's going to be in the movie as Madame Leota. Uh, if I'm correct, if you've ever wa- rode Haunted Mansion and in the, the ballroom, there's a woman's head in a globe. That is Madame Leota. And that is who Jamie Lee Curtis is going to be. So is it just going to be her face the whole time? I don't know. But that's the character she's going to be in the movie. Uh, that was the biggest... And, and best news from this movie. I think that's another at this rate. I think that's going to be a 2024 movie. So we got a little while to wait. Yeah, she's busy tying up her uh, loose ends on the Halloween franchise next month. And then then moving on to other things. But this uh, this I enjoyed for one reason and one reason only. It made me hop on the Disney Plus and revisit one of my favorite Disney Channel movies, The Twilight Zone, which stars a very, very, very young Kirsten Dunst and a very, very, very young to middle-aged uh, Steve Gutenberg. And it is a movie that almost no one remembers was ever made, but is still very cute and very adorable, or adorable and is based entirely off of the... Uh, Tower of Terror, Hollywood Tower of Terror ride that had opened at Disney World in 1997 and uh, is still there, although in Disneyland it's been converted into a Guardians ride. Um, Yeah, that made me think of that. And so I hopped on Disney Plus. And so that's what made me excited is that, uh, you know, not all of their um, not all of their ride rides turned into movies are as big as Jungle Cruise or uh, Pirates. Well, yeah, that's been a that's been a recent shift, and I was I would argue it's because of Pirates that they shifted that way. But yeah, uh, they used to they made all kind of TV movies at one point, and I forgot. So I forgot that movie existed. But I think you know my my kid has this thing where she watches all these like things about Disney World, and I think it came up then. And I know it made something came up about it and it made me go look it up. And I was like, oh, I forgot. Uh, I think by the time it, I think when that movie came out, I was to the point where I wasn't watching those movies. So like I was probably aware of it happening, but I know I didn't watch it. Well, that was back around the same time as Under Wraps and Suzy Q. And that was, I think, even pre Xena uh, Xena girl of the 21st century. Um, like well, Zena's much later. Yeah, it's it's this. What I'm talking about with this is early Disney Channel. Like, um, and and I just remember watching that movie a bunch because I was had the biggest 
crushing the world on Kirsten Dunst still do. Had? Yeah, I mean, let's say had. <laughs> um, eh, don't judge me for the number of times I've watched Power of Dog. Just don't. Um, but, like, it, it's a fun movie, and if they can make something like that with Haunted Mansion and Jamie Lee Curtis is still rocking, you know, her star power at this point in her career and in her life, and they can scare up a story that's better than what they had in 2003, then then go for it. I'll forever be disappointed we didn't get Del Toro's vision for it, but I feel like we kind of did with Crimson Peak, so it's all good. <laughs> so it's all good. Oh, uh, yeah. <sighs> but, uh, alright, so we're going to keep moving this train along. Uh, the next up, we got uh, the Barry Jenkins Lion King, pre- Lion King prequel. We got a title. It's called Mufasa the Lion King. Uh, uh, again, directed by Barry Jenkins uh, of Moonlight and Beale Street Could Talk fame. And to me, that remains the biggest selling point slash interest point in this movie is that Barry Jenkins is going to use the technology we use for the quote unquote live action Lion King to make a Lion King prequel all, all based on some story he was kind of pitched and then took over. I'm intrigued what he's trying to tell, what story he's trying to tell and why he decided to tell this story when he could have done anything else in the world. Um, but what we already knew all of that. Um, but what we found out was that it's, this story is going to be like a nonlinear kind of thing. It's going to be told in like a present day and in flashbacks and Rafiki, Timon and Pumbaa, um, are going to be in this movie. So that's going to be uh, John Connie, uh, um, King T'Chaka from Black Panther as Rafiki. Uh, Timon is... Ah, I forget his name. Pumbaa is uh, Seth Rogen. Timon is Billy Eichner. That's it. So they're all coming back to be in this movie uh, to tell the story to some young lion cub about the great Mufasa and his rise to... Uh, to be king of the prior lands. Uh, as a student of literature, um, isn't there a ton of background in Shakespearean in the Shakespearean realm about uh, the the duality of brothers and in the rise and fall of kingdoms and all of that kind of thing? I mean that that is a Shakespearean a thematic Shakespearean trope to an extent, and where in Lion King was always always kind of joked about as being Hamlet or Macbeth or one of those for children. So it would it's... make sense. And, and the brother versus brother aspect and the backstabbing and the, the rise to power, um, because you get a lot of hints of, even in the animated version, you get a lot of hints of Scar and Mufasa and especially on Scar's part, embitterment and resentment toward Mufasa and toward Simba for things that aren't seen, things that aren't really talked about. Just, he just seems like an angry, frustrated, resentful dude toward Mufasa to the point where he doesn't even go to Simba's uh, christening, so to speak. And, um, you know, that's that's kind of the inter- an interesting angle to take it from, is a story about brothers, um, which... It can be fruitful for storytelling, and I'm interested to see what happens with it. 
Yeah, especially as, in the hands of somebody as capable as Jenkins. Right, as am I. I'm so fascinated by what this movie could be, but uh, and you don't run into ground where like people get pissy because like the Lion King two is not a sacred film to anybody, but the Lion King two does not take off of this story. Nothing in nothing in any of the direct to DVD. Uh, stuff that they did focuses on this aspect of the story. This is something completely new and different, and and so I you 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 bring something different to the franchise while also not treading on anybody's ground that would you know be considered sacrosanct. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's going to be something to see, and I think that's another one that is uh, twenty twenty four. Yeah, twenty twenty four. Um. Which, fun fact, after we picked all these articles out, Disney moved some release dates, but I don't think any of them, I don't think any of the things we talked about have changed. Uh, no, but they, they did date Inside Out, too. Right. Um, and they pulled, uh, pulled, Ro- pulled Rogue, Squad- Scott- Rogue Squadron off the, off the list, which we can get into in a bit when we get into our Star Wars stuff. But uh, somewhere in the annals of YouTube will forever live a uh, Patty Jenkins introduction to a movie that never got made. Right. Well, I mean, you know, it's happened to other movies. She'll she'll be okay. But we'll get there when we get there. Uh, next movie uh, is again remaking a classic Disney animated uh, movie. It's Snow White. It's a live version of Snow White. This one did in in that date change stuff. This one did get dated. I think for May of twenty twenty four. Um, I can't remember if it's already shot or they're currently shooting it. But we're going to get this new version of Snow White. It's going to star Rachel Ziegler. Uh, she from, uh, what's it? West Side Story. Uh, West Side Story fame and soon to, soon to be Shazam whenever Shazam wants to drop as Snow White. And Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman herself as uh, the, the stepmother, the queen. So, and what, what did stand out to me is that this film is being directed by Mark Webb. Mark Webb was the director of the two Amazing Spider-Man movies. I was surprised to see his name attached to this. I didn't know he was going to be doing it. Uh, so good for him. I, I, I want to see what he's going to do with this. Uh, I think they got to see a little of the footage at D23. I know uh, Ziegler and Gadot came out and they talked about it. And and one of those things, they, they said that Gadot looks... Just, they... They took their looks almost directly from the cartoon, like most of these live action adaptations have done. And that Godot looks really similar to to said queen in the film. I also know that um, the movie is going to change things about it, because uh, if you remember a few months ago when. um, What's his name from Game of Thrones? I'm blanking on names tonight for some reason. Dang it. You, he was Tyrion. I'm going to just call him Tyrion for Game of Thrones until I remember what his name is. Um, oh, the, uh, the guy from uh, the guy who's playing uh, the Black Knight? No, no. Um, he, uh, he was the dwarf in um, Peter Infinity Dinklage? War. Yeah, Peter Dinklage. I could not think of his name to save my life. You know uh, why? You know why? Because you have blocked out all memory of him as Bolivar Trask 
in X-Men Days of Future Past. That's why. Okay, so that is accurate. That is very accurate. However, I was thinking, like, I thought of him in Death and the Funeral. I thought of him from um, from Elf. I thought of him from Game of Thrones. I thought of him from any anywhere. I thought of all these roles, and I just could not find his name. But it's because of that one thing I couldn't remember his name. Uh, I'm calling it shenanigans on that. Don't believe that. But uh, a few months ago, he 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 talked Where's about the hammer. <laughs> Where's the hammer? He talked about how um, he kind of bashed Disney for doing this movie because you know the the cartoon is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and he's like. Have we not moved past this with dwarves? And you're really going to do this movie again and do this with dwarves when we should be kind of past that? And Disney came out and said, it's not going to be dwarves. It's going to be like, it's not exactly dwarves. It's going to be like magical creatures. So they're not going to be dwarves. And that's all they said about it. They didn't really say anything here about it. So I think we just have to wait to see. But I don't think we're going to get like your traditional dwarves. I think we're going to get something different. But the rest of it will probably be, you know, kind of in that vein of the cartoon. So, again, we just kind of have to wait to see. It's not coming out till 2024. So it'll probably be a whole year before we see anything about how they look as these characters. So, you know, it's, it's just to get you excited, I guess. Andrew, and to just let you know that it's coming and that things are things are moving on it. But I do remember that particular one. Um it wouldn't surprise me if they did something different or unique the way that uh, the way that Once Upon a Time did with so many of these characters and so many of these stories. Yeah, I think I my hope is that it does something like um, like Cinderella. I mean, of the Cinderella's one of the better ones and it told the same story, but it did make it different. And I think people like Cinderella um, for the changes that it made and, and it all fit. So hopefully it's more Cinderella than it is, say, uh, Beauty and the Beast, which, you know, is fine, but nobody remembers that one. And that is uh, and that is unfortunate for um, uh, for Harmony Ranger, Emma Watson. Yep, because uh, I knew she was in that, and I completely forgot that she was in it, even though I am very acutely aware that she's in that movie. All right. So next up, this was the one I was alluding to before that we actually did get a trailer for. Uh, so it, um, before beforehand, before we get into this, yeah, let us let us just acknowledge that we do not support the trolling of the internet of <laughs> idiots who get upset about the skin tone or color of a woman fish. Yeah, um, mythological creatures that never existed can be anything you want them to be. I think that should be the blanket disclaimer here. But we're saying all this because we got to see our first look at... We didn't. Like, well, we got to see a first look, but they got to see a whole sequence. Oh, see, I didn't know they got to see a whole sequence. They got to see the part of your world, the entire thing. Okay, okay. So they got to see all of... um, Well, we're talking about The Little Mermaid. We got a teaser trailer that was released to... The general public for the Little Mermaid. Uh, apparently, uh, those in attendance got to see the entire part of your world sequence. So, again, in the everything we talked about has been remaking animated fare. This is no different. The thing with the Little Mermaid, and it's been this way. I mean, since she was cast, uh, Haley Bailey. Um, if you 
one part of Chloe and Chloe and Hallie, uh, the sister uh, act that I don't mean sister act as in the movie, but their sisters that had uh, we got uh, a, we got a third one of those in the way too. Yeah, yeah, so, I forgot about. Well, that's probably not coming until twenty twenty five at least. But um, they had a there's they were same group. Their their real sisters. They were same group. They've acted in some things. They were in the uh, the blackish spinoff, grownish. Um, and now Halle has taken on the role of Ariel in this movie that is directed by Rob Marshall. Um, and uh, I don't think they, I don't think they said all of the. They probably mentioned the cast in D twenty three, but there was no like real big mentions. Um, like I can tell you that. Um, Melissa McCarthy's in it as Ursula. You have the V Diggs as Sebastian. Um, oh, Javier Bardem is King Triton. But all we got, the footage we got to see was um, a little teaser of a part of your world. And we got to see Hallie as, as Ariel. If you've seen Hallie Bailey, she looks like Hallie Bailey with, uh, it looks like kind of red dreadlocks. And I thought it was, I thought it was fine. I thought it was cute. I thought it was in keeping with the spirit of the original movie. But um, as Brian alluded to, the, the trolls got on there because it is a black woman that is starring as a pretend fish. I'm like, I don't want to give them any more room than that. That was ridiculous. The trailer itself, I think it. if you're a fan of The Little Mermaid, I think you... you it should at least interest you because it's she sounds great singing the sh- she sounds great singing the song everything looks great from what we've seen in this trailer from it's ju- it's really just a teaser um but we'll see more cuz i think this comes out this comes out next may so we'll probably see more in in december and whatnot uh, but they did announce that uh, they're keeping i think all of the original songs and that Alan Menken, the original songwriter, and yeah, Lynn Manuel featuring Lin-Manuel fan Moore. favorite songs plus four new songs by right. Alan Menken and Lynn Morell. Right. Uh, yeah, Lynn Morell Miranda. Yep, they're making four new songs to go with the original songs. So yeah, um, they it it's an it was enough to get people talking about it. It was of the and Disney Javier Fair. Bordem as Triton. Yep. Uh, of of the Disney Fair. Like just regular Disney fair, this was probably the most talked about for obvious reasons. A lot of it having to deal with the trolls, but um, I think pe- people sufficiently have enough notice that the Little Mermaid is coming. And uh, I will say to counteract the trolls, there were a lot of videos of parents, particularly parents of uh, little black girls, showing them this teaser, and they were really excited to see this aerial. So. That that is the power of this kind of representation. So, if you're mad at that, then you're just a dick. Yeah, and like it's it's just really interesting that I don't recall this same sort of anger and fire and vitriol about the potential of Selena Gomez playing Ariel in a uh, movie directed by Sofia Coppola um, when that was announced a few years back. Never actually got made, but got announced. Um, it's just such, it's just that it's on the big stage of Disney, I guess. Be, so, yeah, I think it is because of the big stage of Disney. I also think, well, I know Sevilla, uh, Selena Gomez 
is Hispanic. A lot of people probably just don't. And they're and they would have been they would talk themselves into it. They'd have been fine. Well, uh, Sophia also just recently booked her next project, which is a uh, Priscilla Presley biopic. I did hear that. That is kind of weird to go this soon after Elvis, but you know, what can you do? Uh, so, I mean, I'm interested in this movie from the standpoint that. Little Mermaid is a treasure in the golden era of Disney. And the only other movie that they've done from that time, the other two movies that they've done from that time period would be Beauty and the Beast, which, as you said, hit as a billion dollar hit worldwide, but hasn't really resonated in the same way the 1992 original did or 1994 original, whichever it was. And then, uh, you know, the other is Mulan, which was the first casualty of the pandemic because it was supposed to come out in March 2020 and didn't come out till Labor Day of 2020 uh, because of the pandemic. So, yeah, Mulan is that casualty, but it's they've been in from in between Beauty and the Beast. Most people suggest that the golden era starts with Little Mermaid and ends with Mulan. I would I think that is roughly correct. I mean, I don't think you can push it as far as Tarzan. Um... Some people would. I mean, I kind of would because Tarzan is pretty much um, Mulan and Tar- Tarzan are pretty much where I get off on on the Disney stuff. Uh, and then but inarguably, uh, the stuff that comes after it is clearly out. But like historically to me, I think the, the real golden age is like Little Mermaid to probably to probably Pocahontas. But you can push it into. Mulan at the latest. So it's interesting that they're gonna they're gonna dig in that with the golden, the biggest movie from the golden era, and you know to see how this works. You know that's just that's just kind of an interesting wrinkle to me. Well, at this I point, care, I don't care about the cast. Like I don't care if you're white, black, purple, or green. Like if you can sing and you can make me feel in the emotion of the way that you're singing. In, in that particular story, I'm all on board. I mean, you know, um, it's just not something to get upset about, man. Like, so I, I'm not particularly worried about it. I just think that, like, I think it's going to be a good movie, and I think it's going to be one of their better ones. And I think that it's going to make people um, reappreciate, again, this thing that they're doing with the... Uh, this thing that they're doing with the uh, live-action remakes, as I have won my fantasy game. Uh, lucky you. I I got yeah. 90 points from two players, and I still lost. Yeah, I, I won 143 to 102. I haven't even checked my score. I'm so mad. Second, uh, second straight week of winning, and I barely won by .9 last week because I set the uh, Bills defense, my number one overall draft pick, because I am the dude who drafts defenses in the first round. Um... <laughs> and uh, set them for week one and then started them in week two. My brain just broke. I'm going to. OK, we're going to keep moving this train along. Uh, I am not going down this rabbit hole, Brian. I refuse to do this. All right. So we've I made had it. A, th- I had the number two overall pick of my draft, Chad. And I, I'm not doing this with you. I'm, I'm not. I am not. I am not. Uh, man, there's a bunch of these movies. OK. 
I'm trying to get through. I hate to shortchange Pixar, but uh, I know we're going to be on those other things for a long time. So I'm going to try to get through this quick. But we moved on to the Pixar portion of the show. Uh, first thing is Elemental. It's, um, I think, so this movie's coming out. I think it's the is next Pixar movie. Pet? Uh, it kind of looks, looks like it. Looks like a Monday Chia Pet. That's interesting. Yeah, it kind of does. Uh, this movie's coming out next year, June 16th, 2023. I think it's the next Pixar movie. Um, it is it's a story of immigrants pursuing dreams in beautiful neighborhoods where language and cultures come together. Uh, the filmmakers introduced the characters in, in Elemental, which is set in a city where fire, water, land, and air residents live together. Ember is a tough, fiery young woman, and Wade is a fun, sappy, go-with-the-flow guy. If you can't tell, Ember is the, a fiery person, and Wade is a water person. And they're helping bring, uh, oh, well, they're giving the cast, which is Leah Lewis and Mama Dude, I, I tidy, I'm butchering names, I'm sorry. And they came out and they introduced the movie. Uh, we get a steal here. I'm, I think they saw footage, but we've got to wait a whole year for that. It looks interesting. It looks like you take the concept of Inside Out, which is emotions, and you sub it out for elements. And instead of the visualization of, ele- of emotions, you get the visual- visualizations of elements. And all right, we're going to keep this train moving. Next, we have Win or Lose, which is a Pixar uh, show for Disney Plus. Uh, I kind of like the concept for this one. Uh, the series is going to follow the Pickles, a co-ed middle school softball team in the week leading up to their championship game. Each episode takes place that same week, highlighting the perspective of a different uh, main character, the players, the parents, their umpire and reflect each will reflect a unique visual style. Uh, and Will Forte will voice the coach of the Pickles, uh, Coach Dan. Um, so, the and they got to see, fans in the audience got to see clips for this. It's supposed to, it's coming this fall. So it's probably going to be, uh, you know. Fall 2023. Uh, oh, I'm off. So it's fall 2023. We got a whole year to wait. I really, I, I'm really intrigued by the, this concept. Uh this is one of the things that piqued my interest out of Pixar the most. Yeah, and I like to th- when they do like shorts like this. It's fun, and Disney Plus gives you an avenue to do this. Um, I'm really disappointed, honestly, at this point that we haven't got more Monsters at Work because I'm one of apparently the five people on the planet who loved watching Monsters at Work. Um, oh no! But, oh no! But the like. Kid. I, I, the kid watched every episode. It was like the thing she was most excited for. Well, because, you know, I love Ty Ty and I love Henry Winkler and I love Billy Crystal and John Goodman possibly playing those roles for a final time. Um, so, I mean, there was a lot that I enjoyed about that show and I hope that they make more shows like that off of the various Pixar properties because Disney Plus, again, major platform, second leading in subscriber count. Needs all of the uh, content it can get. Right. All right. Next up, we have Elio. Um, Elio is the story of eleven-year-old dreamer Elio, uh, named Elio. He's artistic, creative, and an avid indoorsman who finds it hard to fit in. 
Meanwhile, his uh, mom, Olga, who runs a top secret military project, is working to decode a strange signal from outer space. Uh, but it's Elio who makes contact and gets beamed into space and is subsequently mistaken for an intergalactic ambassador for Earth. Uh, Olga, Mom Olga is voiced by America Ferrara. Uh, Ferrar. Which uh, we are now at that stage in our lives where America Ferrara, Ugly Betty, is now taking roles as the mother. Uh, yeah, that just because we're old, that's what happens. Uh, yeah, yeah. Father Time's undefeated. We're just going to be old and they're going to keep getting younger. But uh, yeah, that so that one was that is Elio. Uh, actually, this might be the next movie because this comes out. No, never mind. I'm, Spring twenty twenty four. Yeah, I'm looking at these numbers and my mind is telling me that twenty twenty four is next year. So no, we've got a whole another year for Elio. Indeed, and I'm I'm interested by the concept and I like the fish out of water possibilities for that show. All right, and next up we have the big well. I was considered the biggest news coming out of this was the official announcement that we're getting a sequel to inside out Two. Uh, this one was, did get a release date. Uh, it has one now. D23. Yeah. It is summer of 2024. I think it's June, 2024. It is June, 2024. I don't remember the exact date, but we have two years to figure that out. Um, so they brought out Amy Poehler. Joy is back. Uh, and, they are going to be uh, Joy's back, and I think Sadness is back. Uh, before this broke, they said that Bill Hader and Mindy Kaling weren't coming back. And during this show, they did say that we were going to meet new emotions that uh, they did not name and did not give voice to. But we 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 know we have Inside Out. We know we're getting new characters, and we know that it's going to deal with uh, Riley growing up and. You know, puberty and all of those kind of things uh, from those emotions. And yeah, so 2024, we'll get uh, we'll get picked. We get inside out. We'll see if they make us all cry again like they did with Bing Bong. Indeed. And um, this kind of goes like hand in hand with the short that they did after uh, after the first movie came out called Riley's First Date. Um, which showed Riley starting to kind of explore going on dates and getting to know boys and all the things. So it would make sense that in the natural progression of things, you would move the show, the movie to the next step, which would be her as a teenager. And I'm sure there is no shortage of mothers and fathers that work at Pixar that have uh, personal stories they can share that can help inform the writing process of, of Riley and, and Inside Out 2. Oh yeah, I'm sure they were not, they were not lost for uh, inspiration. Indeed, and uh, our our thanks our many thanks to Pete Doctor for that wonderful Pixar presentation and the completely unexpected news of an Inside Out two. Let's move on to uh, Walt Disney's 100 years of animation. Right, uh, it's been, yeah, the studio is going to be celebrating 100 years. Uh, on most of these, they had the the updated logo. Uh, that's going to commemorate the 100 years. Uh, so in this presentation. Just, uh, just, just for a moment, stop and think. The studio itself is going to turn 100. Yeah. The, the theme park is 75 in California. And the theme park in Florida is 50. It'll be, it'll be 51 in about a week and a half. 
Yeah. Uh, think about that. Because we share a birthday. Just, just stop and think about that. Like, the Disney Empire has been around for a long, long time, even before Michael Eisner. Uh, <laughs> I mean, even though, uh, to me, for the longest, my, I, it was like Walt Disney, Michael Eisner. That was Disney to me, because Michael Eisner I need was, to get you... Um, I need to get you that book um, for your for Christmas because I think that you'd really enjoy it. I don't know if you've read it yet. The Eisner Years, which is the inside account of uh, the rise and fall of uh, Michael Eisner at Disney, which gave way to uh, some guy you may have heard of called Bob Iger. Bob Iger, yeah. Uh, I, I've heard most of this. I've heard a lot of the Eisner stuff um, just on my own, but again... The stuff that my kid watches about, like Disney World and stuff, like the people that make those videos, they really don't like Michael Eisner, and they go into Eisner like all the time. They, but they they will highlight all the good he did in the beginning, and then how he just went all went all went down so fast, so so fast. But uh, yeah, all I have to say, yeah, Disney is just you know it's been ubiquitous for all my life it's always been a thing yeah uh, always been there um even though it's come close to not existing a few times in my lifetime but it, it now it is the behemoth that we know but anyway to continue the show we got uh jennifer lee uh because all of these uh, all of these segments were hosted by different people pete doctor did pixar jennifer lee is doing the Walt Disney animated stuff. Walt Disney animated studios, and first they brought out the Zootopia Plus, which is the Zootopia Disney Plus show. This is one of the rare things that's actually coming out this year. It's coming out uh, on Disney Plus, November 9th, uh, continuing on along with where we left off. And I don't know if it's exactly where we left off, but you know, if you've been, if you've seen Zootopia, we're still living in that world and dealing with things in that that world in this show indeed and i really enjoy the fact that we're going to continue to live in that world and again it's just amazing to me that that disney disney plus gives them so much room to work and play in the areas of previous uh the areas of previous uh shows and movies that they can expand any Um, word on voice cast for zootopia plus i'm assuming um, it doesn't look like they said anything about it. I would imagine that uh, what Jennifer Jennifer ah, I forget who plays Hops. Chris, but her life, it's not Kristen Bell, is it? No, it's um, it's Jason Bateman, and I know her first name is Jennifer, and I'm pretty sure she you Jennifer Jason Lee. <laughs> uh, no, she was in um, she was in Once Upon a Time that you that you mentioned. I think she she was Snow White in Once Upon a Time. Uh, Jennifer Goodwin. Yep, that is her. Uh, she is going. I'm pretty I love sure the they're fact that back. we now reference Once Upon a Time multiple times in this in this yeah, podcast that, because it's a very underrated show and did a lot of really interesting and different and somewhat dark things with Disney properties that that their reboots and reimaginings have never done. Yeah, I, I watched that for like the first two years, and then I got off. But I've heard I, season four is where it falls off the cliff. But like, because they did the the original, the original showrunners and creators departed, and then you did the whole time jump thing, and just whenever you do that kind of stuff, it doesn't almost never works. It's called jumping the shark. 
but yeah, it's the first four seasons are outstanding, like repackaging of Disney stuff for adults. Right. So it, <laughs> I, I didn't think it was going to come up again, but yeah, we found a way to get back to it. But I, there's no real cast announcement. So I would imagine that we might hear some of the voices from Zootopia. But, you know, uh, the way that it's worded, this could be they can just have anything. They can do whatever they want. Just keeping it in that world. This next project looks very promising and looks to be both educational and also an opportunity for people to um, start a conversation um, about Africa and about real world Africa and not just, you know, the Africa that we would all like to imagine. Right. So the next project I'm going to I wish I could have heard this before. I don't have to say it, but in Wuja? I think that's that's probably right. Awuja, Awuja, Wujus, one of those. But it is uh, described as a new long form series created, and this I think this part is important in collaboration with a Pan African comic book, Pan African comic book entertainment company, Kujulia. Kujulia. We're gonna go with that. So. Uh, it seems the premise is uh, so. I'm assuming this is from a a comic series from based in Africa, and um, it is. Let's see. It's a futuristic depiction, a world busting with color, u- uh, unique visual elements, and technological advancements inspired by the spirit of Lagos, which is phys- which is physically divided into an island and mainland separated by both water and socioeconomic status. The coming-of-age story introduces Tolo, a young Harris from the wealthy island, and her best friend Cole, a self-taught tech expert and loving son from the mainland. Uh, and then they, people in, in, the, in the auditorium got to see a look at the series. So uh, I think this is, it. this is exciting for a bunch of reasons. It's, it is authentically, at, authentic, it feels authentically African and that Disney is actually teaming up with an African company to, to make this series. Uh, I think it can open up doors for a bunch of different opportunities, not just like dealing with comics, but any kind of storytelling from other places around the world. And Disney can Disney plus can be a kind of home for that. Uh, I think that is an exciting opportunity. I very much agree, and it can lead, if it's successful, to um, them partnering with um, folklore storytellers from other parts of the world um, that could potentially get their voices heard through the uh, potential megaphone that is Disney. Um, So I'm all for this. Anytime you talk about socioeconomic classes in a way, in a major media platform, I mean, that's definitely going to at least cause some some knowledge to be dropped, if not some, you know, um, you know, some conversations to start. Yep, conversation starter is always good. All right. So the next project on the list is uh, Strange World, which is actually coming out this year, November 23rd, 2022. Uh, it's the next Disney project. Uh, we've... They've already done the trailer for this. This is going to star uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I Gyllenhaal. saw it in an IMAX, which yeah. looked amazing. Uh, 
don't remember what movie it would have been. It was had to be one of the Marvel movies. Um, but uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is going to be starring in it with Dennis Quaid, uh, Jabuki, Young White, and Lucy Liu are all starring in this uh, in this project. Uh, the, it's surprising that they didn't do another trailer that we could have seen. People in the audience got to see something. But I'm assuming we'll get a trail, another trailer for this movie real soon, uh, because as far as I know, it's only the teaser that we got so far. And with this coming out at the end of November, they have to start marketing pretty soon. Indeed, I agree. But the the IMAX footage that I saw back in the summer, I think it was before Thor, looked absolutely amazing. Maybe it definitely, was Thor. Definitely had almost an Avatar like need to see this in a theater type vibe to it. Um, it. I had a lot of feels of um, I got a lot of feels of Atlantis The Lost Empire and uh, a couple of other those big world building Disney movies that we don't really get anymore. So I'm all for this. Alright. And also and- let's, let's also put out a disclaimer as we wind down this portion of the of the proceedings. There was no live action Atlantis the Lost Empire movie announced. That was a rumor <laughs> on the internet. It is not a thing that actually happened at D23. Uh the rumor was striking rumor mill was striking out a whole bunch for for all of this, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh the final presentation was for a uh movie called Wish, which is set to be released next fall. Uh d- during the whole hundred year thing. Um, it's, let's see, it's an epic animated musical. It's inspired by legacy films from the studio and asked the question, how did wishing upon a star, how did the wishing star upon which so many characters wished come to be? Uh, and it's set in. There are a lot of things I need in my life. Do I need a backstory for a star? Uh, let's see. I mean, do we need really need anything in that vein? But. Uh, it says the story, which is set in Rosa, the kingdom, of, the kingdom of wishes, where wishes can literally come true. Uh, we're introduced to Asia and optimistic, an optimist with a sharp whip, sharp wit, who cares endlessly about her community. Uh, in a moment of desperation, Asia makes an impassioned plea to the stars, which is answered by a cosmic force, a little ball of bounding energy called Star. Oh, they made it cute. Together, they'll face a formidable foe to save her community and prove the when the will of one courageous human connects with the magic of stars, wondrous things can happen. Um, so what we do know is Alan Tudyk, uh, who has been a, a famed for his actor. He is also a regular actor. He's been in Star Wars. He's been in plenty of Disney projects before. Uh, he's going to be in this as a goat. Named Valentino. Uh, uh, oh, and the voice of the main character, Aisha, is going to be voiced by uh, latest Academy Award winner, Ariana DeBose, DeBose from uh, West Side Story. She's going to be the main character. Uh, and she, apparently the people in the audience got to hear her sing a song from the movie. And apparently she did a great well. If you've heard her, we know she can sing, so it had to be a great job. Yeah, I mean, and this is an interesting way to mix both Disney's past with Disney's 
future and another big, bright rising star that, you know, they can add to their portfolio in an animated movie that can really stand out. Right, right. And that is the end of uh, the animated Disney uh, fair from D23. So now we get to try to, I don't know how we're going to speed along through all of this, but um, I mean, in not, fairness, we're only sitting in an hour and six minutes. Yeah, only an hour and six minutes when uh, we probably got another, oh, if we're lucky, it's like 15 things. All right. Let's see what we can. Let's see what we can do. Okay, so the next presentations that we're going to go through, uh, we're starting with Lucasfilm, and Lucasfilm rolled it right out and uh, dropped the new trailer for uh, the next Star Wars uh, Disney Plus show, which comes out in a like a week or so. Uh, that will be Andor. Uh, they describe it as a 25, 24 episode spy thriller, but I know it's split into two seasons. I think we have 12 this season, 12 next season. Um, and I'll let everybody in on a little secret. I never watched the trailer. So, Brian, what do you think? <laughs> um, excuse me, sir. I have, uh, I have not left work for like, the last, <laughs> for like the last 15 years. So um, I'm kind of down on the Andor uh, information as well. Here, here's my thing. I feel so bad for Gareth Edwards. Gareth Edwards was hired as a director for Rogue One, and by all accounts now has absolutely nothing to do with Lucasfilm and has got to go off and make other movies. That man got the Josh Trank treatment for no reason. Um, because clearly the things that we love about, um, about Rogue One, short of the Vader reshoots, um, we're all Guillory's idea. And they are letting him come back and they are letting him play in this universe in a way that from the first four episodes that have already screened sounds different and organic and rebellious in nature. Um, One of the biggest things that I've heard consistently from people who saw those first four episodes was that story structure and episode structure are different episode to episode. And so there's no consistency or flow of story between those four, but they're really intense, ground level, almost Saving Private Ryan-esque, like on the ground, boots on the ground, revolutionary uh, stuff, which makes sense because that's how the character is presented in Rogue One. And that's kind of the tone of the story that you're going to tell if you are going to show his his sway from being part of the Empire to part of the Resistance. Um the other thing, too, for me with Andor is that, like, I love the visual storytelling that's going on. I also love the fact that, that when they do a season two, they're going to just do every episode is a year. Because <laughs> they're going to lead right up to the doorstep of Rogue One and where we find the character there. So Disney's already ordered a second season. That whole second season, every episode is going to be as if it's one year. I'm a huge 24 fan. I am very frustrated that no one ever picked up the ball on live like uh, events occur in real time because because that's just so awesome and it's a great storytelling technique and it leaves you 
it, it, it makes you a better writer because you have to face challenges that you don't face on every project. And so I'm interested to see where this goes. I'm interested to see the fan reception, but I'm almost also at the point now where I literally don't believe that there is a fan reaction that can happen to a, a Marvel or a Star Wars project that can cause things to change in a dramatic way. I know that people on the internet want to take credit for Ryan Johnson got his Star Wars trilogy killed because we rioted. But in all actuality, like, Ryan Johnson went off and made Knives Out and then got a bunch of money from Netflix to make more Knives Out. And he was like, I can go do this and make a whole bunch of money. And I don't have to deal with crazy assholes on the internet. <laughs> and so he was like, yes, please. So really, your rioting didn't get him fired. Your rioting just caused him to not want to do this anymore. Look at the quotes from John Boyega on the uh, the Woman King press tour. Same kind of thing. Yeah, man, I'm kind of done with that kind of thing. I don't really uh, see myself jumping back into, into that kind of a thing anytime soon. Uh, even though apparently there's, an, again, and we'll get into this when the the Marvel stuff comes up, there's clearly also now a a cast list uh, pop-up that, you know, was supposed to happen at D23 and magically didn't. Um, but, like, the Andor stuff really looks fun and interesting and different to me in the way the Mandalorian stuff looked really different and interesting to me, and I'm excited for the show. Yeah, um, the only thing I can really add is the, you know, I kind of knew you were going to bring up uh, the stuff about Garrett, and... I can't can't not bring up the stuff about Garrett, Garrett, because Garrett gets a really bad rap. None of us really know what happened on that set. That was in the same time period where Kathleen Kennedy was having problems with Lord, Lord Miller. I mean, it was a really turbulent time at Lucasfilm. And the dude rebirthed Godzilla. We don't have Kong versus Godzilla 1 or 2 without Gareth Edwards' original 2014 movie. So, like, the dude is really good and he's really talented. And he's the one who brought this idea to them, or at least repitched it to them. And here he is 10 years later and can't get anything. Well, so he might have brought it to him, got it repitched it to him, but... You know, most of the things that people talk about from that movie, like you said, are from uh, from uh, Gilroy and from everything I've heard about the episodes that people have seen about and or so far. Uh, they probably made the right move because everyone is really praising this series and, and, and the direction and how this whole series is going. And a lot of that is going to be credit to Gilroy. So it, it's. I just thought it was interesting to hear people talk about it, knowing what happened on on the set of Rogue One. Well, knowing what we know. Uh, we don't know everything, but what we do know. When, knowing- the, when the author of the book on Marvel Studios says, I don't believe there will ever be a book like this written about, the, about Lucasfilm, <laughs> that kind of resonates. Right, right. So... It was just, it just, it was just funny, funny to me that, uh, just knowing that, that Gilroy is getting, Gilroy made this series that people are really, like, really, really into. 
So uh, I, w- I should have watched the trailer. I just didn't get around to it, but uh, I will watch the show when it comes out. So. so let's move on to a project that was near and dear to Ron Howard's heart. Yes, uh, the next subject is Willow. Willow originally was a movie made in eighty in eighty eight, directed by Ron Howard for Lucasfilm, uh, starring uh, Warwick Davis as the, t- the titular character Willow, and Val Kilmer was in the movie as well. I haven't seen Willow in years. I, I do remember it. It did strike enough of a chord that I remembered the character Willow. I remember the movie Willow. I did not remember that Val Kilmer was in it until never. And I, I, when I saw he was in it, I'm like, for real? I didn't even know. Uh, but this is a continuation of that story. Uh, and we did get a trailer for this one, but uh, yeah, I ain't watched this one either. So did you Willow get a chance is, to see it? Yeah. Willow's not a thing for me. Um, my two, my, I was always more of an Indiana Jones guy in terms of the Lucasfilm portfolio and a young Indiana Jones guy to really get into Willow. I am excited for this show, however, because the female antagonist from Falcon and Winter Soldier is in this show. She is, yes. And and this is also a thing that was announced. I know you're going to find this funny. This is also a thing that was announced the day that Disney Plus was announced all the way back all those years ago. So, like, this has been in the works for a hot minute, um, as has Indiana Jones 5. Um, and and it's uh, finally coming true with Christian Slater coming onto the cast. We know that Val Kilmer, obviously, is very, very, very limited with what he can do with his voice stuff. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. I know it's something that's very monumentally important to Warwick Davis, and I know it's very important to Lucasfilm as well. And I hope that it can birth a new generation of fans for this property. Right. And this is actually one that uh, I believe it comes out. Yep. It comes out this year. Begin streaming on November 30th. So we will get to see Willow this year. Indeed. All right. Let's move on to this fool in his cowboy hat. Why you got to be a fool? Like when he's pretty much running Star Wars now. Because all this dude is doing is making millions of dollars off of taking his animated small Star Wars stuff that existed in this small pocket of time between Return of the Jedi and uh, between um, between uh, Revenge of the Sith and A Force Awakens when Star Wars was nothing but the animated series is and he's taking all those those stories and all those characters and just moving them into freaking live action and making out to be some kind of creative genius where it's like, oh, I reinvented Star Wars. No, you didn't reinvent Star Wars. You took your animated crap and made it live action so that the 75 fanboys who gather around in in the club that is located right next to the Church of Sanchez on Wednesday nights <laughs> to sit there and talk about the the way that they love you and adore you for these for this thing that they get that only they saw like come on man like let's let's not act like this dude is reinventing star wars okay so i have to point out the self-own that you did when you're you're deriding the people that would be fans of his and you decide to put their fake church right next to your fake church whereas 
they have you said seventy five members to your one okay, on the same. Th- there are twenty five of us, by the way. Twenty, you can't count yourself twenty five times. That's not how that works. Well, I mean, most of their last names are Sanchez. So oh I mean, oh so oh so we're taking his family too. Okay, I got you. Uh, still, I think you only got like five people in your church. They got seventy five. I just want to point out that you know if we're talking about that. They're still doing a little bit better than you, so you can't really ride them that hard. Um, but I'm gonna—I'll say this about Filoni: um, what he did with the the Clone Wars and his animated fare—I mean, it's akin to all of the Star Wars stuff that came out um, between Jet Return of the Jedi and um, Phantom Menace. But what makes his different is that he did it under the purview and in conjunction with George Lucas, which makes his that much more official. And I think because of that, it bumps his up. And that's why he has such a following, because like not only does it seem like he has a grasp of what Star Wars is, he worked with the creator at the same time. So, yeah. If I have that cachet and I have this list of stuff I already did, you're damn right. I'm taking it and putting it to, into live action because even though Clone Wars is canon in people's mind, unless they see it live action, it doesn't it doesn't correlate. So I'm bringing it all over. I'm bringing it. I have the opportunity to bring it over. I have the money to bring it over. I can get whoever I want to be in these things. You're damn right. I'm doing it. And. Because he worked directly with the creator, it's what it bumps him up. He worked directly with the creator, and he's made these new things that have been the the things that people see as successful. He's been associated with, so it gives him the status as you know the next dude of Star Wars. Yeah, again, go ask and stop fifteen people on the street if they know who Han Solo is, and they will tell you they know who Han Solo is. Go stop 15 people on the street and ask them who Ahsoka is, and none of them will know. It is, a, not... it is a nerd, self-aggrandizing, self-appeasing, self-fulfilling prophecy that, oh, we get all our Clone Wars stuff now. Thank you, Disney. Now, if you will just let the, the expanded universe be canon, we will all be happy and stop killing you on Reddit. I don't think it's quite that thing. The expanded universe ain't never coming back. They can just get over that. But the the die so the diehard fans like these characters. It makes sense to then put them into a into vehicles that will be more accessible to the rest of the people, so that they can become more household names. Probably not on the level of Han Solo because Han Solo has been around for pushing 50 years at this point and in and and was made famous by Harrison Ford whereas these movies aren't going to I mean because they're Star Wars they're going to have a certain cachet but until they make the jump to movies nobody's going to put them on that same kind of playing field and but if you you can't just cater to the hardcore fans you have to make it accessible to everybody but if you give the hardcore fans like if you use the things hardcore fans like and make it accessible, that typically spells success, i.e. like in Marvel. 
Hey, I don't care what nobody say. Before 2008, it was like me and six dudes that knew who Tony Stark was. One of them was Ghostface Killer. That's it. Nobody else. Now, everybody knows. It's the same kind of thing. You, you, you use what you had, which was a character not everybody knew, and you made him into him and all of his cohorts into household names. It's kind of the same thing with Star Wars. I don't think it'll be on that level, but yeah. Indeed. Let's move on to the aforementioned Ahsoka. Oh, we can just go skip these animated ones? I mean, I, mean, no, I, am... we, I forgot. We, we, we have to talk about Tales of the Jedi, which brings back Count Dooku while Christopher Lee has been dead for 10 years. <laughs> well, first there's the Bad Batch, which is the second season of the animated show uh, that came out last year. It will start on... January 4, 2023. I don't really have a lot to say about it because I didn't watch the first one, but if you like Clone Wars, if you like Bad, the first season set, of Bad Batch. It's set in that era between Jedi and uh, Force Awakens and navigates right. the fall of the Empire. Right, so if you've seen the first season, you'll you'll be checking out this one. Tales, uh, Star Wars Tales of the Jedi. I am excited about this. Uh, it's going to be six animated shorts. Uh, featuring parables built around the Jedi from pre from the prequel area, so um, you'll get to see different. It's going to pick different Jedi, but they're all animated shorts, and we'll tell these different stories uh, through those. Like they mentioned specifically mentioned uh, seeing the different lives of Ahsoka and Count Dooku, and there is a trailer for this one. I did not watch this one either, but. Uh, I am excited for the the screen cap of this trailer is Count Dooku as a Jedi with uh, Mace Windu. So I think it's going to be, I think it's an interesting use of animation to further flesh out characters that we already know. And I think that's the aim of this show. So next. uh, Oh, and that one actually starts. That one we'll get this year as well. It will be on Disney plus on October 26th. So a little over a month away. Um, next, now we get to Ahsoka, um, the 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 spinoff of the Mandalorian, and in some ways of the Clone Wars TV series as well. In some in some ways, in yeah. some ways, it's like saying in some ways, She Hulk is inspired by the events of the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> But uh, that show we will get in 2023. The big news coming out of Ahsoka is that they, uh, if you've watched uh, Star Wars Rebels, the character of Ezra Bridger is in that show. People have been waiting to see if he's going to make the jump to live action. He will make that jump in. He will make that joke jump into the Ahsoka series. They have cast him. Um, I thought they did the casting announcement in this sh- in this panel. They may have, but this particular article does not tell us who he is. Uh, but I did see the I did see the casting news and the picture, and I think people that uh, have ideas for Ezra, I think they'll be happy with what this guy what they what they've cast. Yeah, um, on our uh, homeboy um, Cameron from uh miss marvel was inundated with people asking him after miss marvel premiered about whether or not he was going to play this character and (laughs) i believe if i'm not mistaken the character in rebels is voiced by 
our good friend and former WWE creative writer, Freddie Prince Jr.? Oh, no, no, no. He, uh, Freddie Prince Jr. is in the show, but he's not Ezra. He is, uh, Kanan, I think his name is. He's, uh, he was a, he was a Jedi, or he was a, uh, he might have been, he wasn't quite a youngling, but he was, uh, training to be a Jedi when the temple fell. And then he kind of went and did his own thing. And he's like the lead of the show. But Ezra is was the younger kid that he eventually took under his wing and started teaching him the way of the Force. Um, I didn't watch Rebel, so I don't know exactly what happened. But Ahsoka shows up in that show. And they do go, like, I think at the end she is, like, looking for Ezra. So I imagine that... Yeah, she this... takes him on as a Padawan. He gets kidnapped. And then she goes looking for him. Yeah, so... Which is pretty much where we find her in season two of The Mandalorian. And then again, and um, and she has a good history, a long history with Thrawn as well in in both the expanded literature that does count and in Rebels. So um, so again, more more of this uh, this animated universe live action made. Right. All right. So two more Star Wars. Oh, hail Sanchez. <laughs> Um, we had the skeleton crew panel, um, which, uh, John Favreau was there and he talked about bringing in, uh, John Watts, the director for the, the Spider-Man, the MCU Spider-Man trilogy. And he's involved with this show. And they said the skeleton crew tells the story of four kids who finds themselves lost in the vastness of the galaxy, trying to find their way home. And that the special surprise was that uh, once again, Jude Law is mentioned as he is the series star for Skeleton Crew. Uh, that's all the information we got about it. I think this show is, I think this show is going to be 2024. So we're a ways away from it, but uh, people are excited for that. Um, yes. And I understand why they're excited about it, um, but I can guarantee you and bet you all of the money in the world that uh, those will not be the same kids from Last Jedi. Oh yeah, not yeah they, yeah I can I can get with that. Uh, I I don't see it here. I know they did mention the Acolyte, another show that's coming, but I think that's twenty twenty four too. Uh, I just wanted to mention that, but we have no official anything about it. It's not listed among these. So last but not least for Star Wars is Mandalorian season three. Uh, which we did get a trailer for. I did watch this one. Um, it looks um, so. It's going to pick up where we left Mando in Boba Fett, uh, and 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 some of the threads from season two, uh, particularly with Bo-Katan. We get to see Bo-Katan. It's it's going to be Mando finding out more about. Uh, Mandalorian history, the different sects, because we didn't, he didn't know they were like different sects. He thought his sect was like the only way. And how he comes to terms with that, along with the fact that bringing his now adopted son Grogu along for the ride, how all of that's going to fit together. Yeah, it, it's a good teaser, uh, gets you excited, Matt, but we're not getting Mando until next year sometime. Uh, I don't know if they put a date on it. Uh, I don't think it'll be the la- the first two seasons were in December. And I don't think we're going to wait all the way till next December to get Mandalorian. So 
It'll be sometime in 2023 if I had to guess the first half, but uh, they didn't give a date. My guess would be the February, March corridor, but we will see. Right. Um, it's just interesting that Book of Fett is not being forgotten or shoved away the way that other Star Wars properties are. And they're like, if you want to know what Mando's been up to, you need to see the see the Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, that yeah. Uh, if you if you wanted to skip Book of Boba Fett, I can understand your inclination to do so. But uh, Mando, and I can the totally Man- understand passing on a show in which your main character escapes from a, a Sarlacc pit by the use of his armor, and then immediately a few weeks later tries to return to said Sarlacc pit pit to recover said armor. They doesn't remember was stolen by the Jawas. <laughs> uh, yeah, that show. Um, I didn't hate it, but whatever. But yeah, there's I'm gonna a, let a giant rancor decide destroy the city so that I can become king of it. And then once I become the crime lord of the world, I'm just gonna walk away because this is boring to me now. Uh, yeah, but there's an entire Mandalorian episode in there, and he is featured heavily particularly the last half. So if you skipped it, but like Mandalorian, you kind of need to go back just to, to get caught up on that part. Yes. Specifically the last two episodes. Yes. Uh, so that's, that was it for Lucas. Oh, well not for Lucasfilm. That's it for star Wars. Lucasfilm had one more thing, uh, to bring out. (sighs) Um, so they proceeded to bring out 80 year old, Harrison Ford to talk about Indiana Jones five, which is coming to our world in June 30, June 30th, 2023. Um, I haven't apparently the people there got to see footage. I haven't read descriptions of it. I have heard Harrison Ford talk like some of the things that he said. Um, and he pretty much said that, uh, this is it when I'm gone. Indy has gone with me. And he got emotional about it because, you know, he really does like being Indiana Jones. But apparently the the clips that were shown um, <laughs> uh, were enough to get a lot of people excited. So, well, I we'll, believe we'll that Phoebe, Phoebe, I believe, well, she was she was a co-writer on the Bond movie, um, No Time to Die, which I really loved. And I believe she did some touch ups on this as well. Which is interesting to me because, uh, you know, there are all there's always going to be Internet speculation and the like about who her character is and what she does. Um, Again, remember, we got the last Indiana Jones movie we got had Kate freaking Blanchett in it. So it's not like these films haven't had great actors and actresses in them. But I do like that he referenced the fact that these films are about fantasy and mystery, but most importantly, about heart. And it seems to me that he wants to right the wrong of um, a Crystal Skull and go out a winner. And hopefully this is that. Because No Time to Die, say what you want to about the masculinity of James Bond dying. Spoiler alert. Um, that film is a better film and a better Bond film than Spectre is. You know, Spectre literally ends with James Bond getting the girl and riding off into the sunset. Like... But he was so unhappy with the way it was received that he came back for another one. And I think that's the I think that's the place that, uh, you know, in that Harris Ford's in with Indiana Jones. He wants to go out a winner. And I also found the Chris Pratt quote interesting about 
you know, when I'm gone, he's gone. Yeah, he's he's really Which is a kind of ownership he does not take with Han Solo, or well, that's because um, he hates Han Solo. Yeah, you know, it, it's not an ownership he takes with Han Solo, or he takes with uh, the U.S. Marsh the the, uh, the fugitive in U.S. Marshals deal. It's not a ownership of a character like what he had with uh, uh, what's that? Um, um, the uh, the ownership of the character that he has with the Jack Ryan franchise, right? Like. You know, it's this is the only character he seems to give a damn about. <laughs> and he's running around in khakis in a bullwhip at 78 years old. And he's like, I want to go out one more time on top. And it looks like from the reaction to the footage that he did. And we still don't have a title for this movie. And that's also very interesting to me. Right. Um, OK, so quick interlude. Uh, because I know that James Mangold is um, is directing this movie, and I know I've got issues with James Mangold for the Wolverine movies and how up their ass they are. So that prompted me to look up his uh, his filmography because I knew there was something that. Well, I, the last thing that he did was Ford versus Ferrari, which was multiple times Academy Award nominated, and before, um, and he also did the the Wolverine, and then he did Logan. Um, before that, there was there was Walk the Line, which is the um the Johnny Cash Joaquin Phoenix biopic from two thousand seven two thousand eight. Right. Well, and the one that I the one that people talk about that I haven't seen yet that I want to see is Three Ten to Yuma, uh, which I've heard nothing but good things about, and I, that's the one that like has a good thought in my head. The rest of them I haven't seen Walk the Line. But like the Wolverine and stuff, I hate those. Uh, but that prompted me to look up his his filmography and his very first credit. I cannot believe it's this is Oliver and Company. He is a writer for Oliver and Company. For those that don't know, Oliver and Company, we were talking about the golden age of Disney. Oliver and Company is like the prelude to that. It's like the movie right before. I think it's a movie right before it is. It's the movie right before The Little Mermaid. That's the uh, that's the uh, Disney animated movie with Billy Joel. Yeah, uh, that nobody talks about. That I, I think people should talk more about. But he was he he was part of the the crew that did the screenplay for that. He's got that credit. I was shocked, shocked. So he started with Disney. He's doing this with Disney. Who knew? But uh, yeah, so that's that's Indiana Jones Five. We'll get it next summer. Uh, we'll probably get a trailer for it with uh, with the Blue Rabbits movie in, in December. Uh, but until then, I would advise people to go look up what the crowd had to say about Indiana Jones. I haven't done it yet, but the few people I've seen talk about it are really, really excited. Um, one person, uh, a famed comic book artist that can't draw feet, um, he he's already calling that Indiana Jones will be one of the top grossing films of the summer. Uh, the other being Mission Impossible. Uh, I have thoughts on that, but we ain't got time for that today. We can do that later. Yeah, that we'll we'll save that for our next episode where we delve into the Warner Brothers stuff and also into what summer 2023 looks like as we have officially put to bed summer 2022. 
Um, but let's move on to the Marvel of it all. And uh, a very, very infamous um, post credit stinger come to life. Uh, you're going to have to remind me of that post credit stinger when we get to it. We can Good do Lord. this all day. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. So that's the first thing, actually. Yeah. And Marvel being the showman that they are, uh, their panel opened with the musical number from Rogers, the musical. I can do this all day. Uh, with the, the what we're looking at has a screen grab of all of the the cast hitting their final pose for the for that number, um, and that's because Marvel can do things like that because they're Marvel and you're not. Where's the DC musical number, Chad? Um, can we make a coherent movie? Oh well, no, no. Can we make two coherent movies in the same universe back to back? Then we can start talking about musicals. If you can do that, the equivalent of walking and chewing bubblegum. If you can do that, then we can we can do some other stuff. And that that is that is a fair assessment, sir. Thank you, thank you. I thought it was. All right. So their panel starts with uh, with Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Uh, I think that the they got to see more footage we haven't got to see it yet. I would imagine that we're going to get another trailer here real soon, like in the next couple of weeks, because that movie comes out. Uh, I think too much from like today or close to it. November the 11th. November the 11th. So yeah, a, a little under two months away from Black Panther Wakanda forever. Uh, so uh, Ryan Coogler was there and he showed, he showed the highlights and uh, Letitia Wright was there, which I didn't know f- at first. I didn't find that out till like a couple of days ago. Yeah. She's, she's actually being active in promoting this film. And being active in talking about and voicing what her experience was like on set. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting given given the injury and the COVID of it all and the the purported issues with uh, vaccines and all the rest of it. Just interesting that she's stepping up as, as Shuri and, and being in the forefront the way we all assumed that she would. Mm-hmm. But started to kind of doubt once all those reports started leaking out from set. Right. Uh, and Winston Duke and Baku was there. Tanak uh, Huretta, Neymar was there. Angela Bassett was there. Uh, so they all talked about um, what kind of forever showed that footage. But there's nothing really new that new that we can report from this. But it it was the thing that led off D23 from Marvel. And that dovetails perfectly into a character who will be in Wakanda forever and then get her own Disney plus series. Right. Uh, Ironheart Riri, Riri Williams is in Wakanda forever and Ryan Coogler stuck around to bring, to talk about that. That movie is coming in 2023. Uh, they brought out the villain of that. It's not a movie that Disney plus show is coming out in December in, in, in 2023. And they brought out the villain of the show, um, who is, um, Anthony Ramos, if you've seen In the Heights, if you've seen Hamilton or, or uh, Netflix's show, she's got to have it. Anthony, uh, he's Anthony Ramos is in that. He's going to be playing Peter Rob P- Parker Robbins, aka the Hood. And they went on to say that iHeart's going to talk about the dynamics of technology versus magic. Riri, of course, being technology, the Hood being magic. Um, so we we will get. Uh, Riri Williams in, in Black Panther and that will dovetail 
into Ironheart sometime next year. Uh, no, no specific date. I wouldn't be surprised if this is like the summer one to kind of capitalize on what kind of ever try to keep it close, but we don't know the exact date yet. Explain to me the history, the comic book impact of the hood. Um, so I don't know a whole lot about him. Um, I know that. So what I know about him, I learned like a couple of days ago. Um, he was, he's basically like this, just like this street criminal. And he, he mugged him. He mugged a, uh, a magic person and stole this hood, this magic hood. And then became kind of a player in the underworld with the hood, uh, more recently and more, more recent comic runs, but that's kind of all I know about him. I, I don't really know that much, but uh, I do know that generally, as we saw with Tony, um, the 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 tech people don't really care too much for magic. So having this young hero that's just coming into her own, going against somebody that's in the magic world, that that's the conflict they seem to be going for. And this is the young lady that we saw in the trailer dapping up uh, Shuri um, and and dropping a iron heart, literal iron heart um, that she forges. Right. That iron heart is uh, is the actual symbol for for the backdrop they're talking in front of. So it it was very much on purpose. Indeed. So let's move on to the Kang of it all. Right. The next next up was Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Uh. We know that this is going to be the, phase, the the start of Phase Five, and they brought out Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, and um, Jonathan and Jonathan Majors. Majors. Who was only a uh, who was only a taped presentation. Uh, was he? Because he it was a taped presentation at Comic Con. Oh yeah, yeah, at Comic Con, yeah. But he was there for D twenty three. They're all physically there. Um, and I think they got to see more footage in the. In the presentation hall, um, of all of our, you know, the conflict that we know so far, we know they're going to be pulled into the quantum realm by Kane, and we kind of don't know what happens from there. So, yeah, um, you know, and that comes out in February of 2023, which is kind of insane. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that comes out, you know, like four months from now, we'll we'll have Kane down. We'll have. Uh, Quantumania, and they did say that it connects to Avengers, the Kang Dynasty, duh. But it's also going to connect to Loki because Jonathan Majors is back in in um, Loki season two as Kang or as a version of Kang. Which makes sense because how did the end of season one uh, do it? The last shot of season one of Loki is a shot of Kang in a Kang statue in the TVA. Right, right. To, to let you so, know that he is not in his reality. Right. So yeah, uh, you know, not much new to report from from Comic Con, but it it was part of the panel. Now, what it was new is this next project, uh, which is called Werewolf by Night. Marvel announced this a while back that they were doing a basically a Halloween kind of not a short but like a um, short episode kind of thing with the character Werewolf by Night. Uh, that is directed, directed by Michael Chino. Yep. Um, and if you know that name, it's because he is the famed composer, Michael Giacchino, who did uh, the Spider-Man films uh, and a few other Marvel films he's done. Uh, I think he did Rogue One and he's done. He's been all over Disney, but he's 
been all over everything. He did the 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 score to the Batman this year as well. But he's directing the actual. Um, I guess it's like a short film. I guess because uh, it's not a whole movie, but it's not. I think it's longer than an episode. But this is Halloween theme, and the trailer was really interesting because it's in black and white. First of all, and you're dealing with werewolves and creatures of the night and they did stick a appearance of Marvel character man thing in here, which has associations to werewolf by night in the comic. Um, so yeah, it's visually it's, it's different than what we're used to seeing from Marvel. The content is kind of, is different from what we're used to with Marvel. So it's really interesting to see how this fits into where we're at because it doesn't look like anything we've done. It before. doesn't fit. I don't think it fits into anything uh, that we're in. I think it's just more about they can do it. They have the funding to do it, and Disney Plus needs content. And if Michael Chino, Chino walks into your door and says, "I want to direct something," you're like, "Oh, sure, why not?" I don't know if it's so much him wanting to. Well, I'm pretty sure he did want to direct something, but I think this is one of those things Kevin wanted to do. He had the the opportunity to do it with Net, with yeah because Marvel Plus. Zombies feels the same way. Marvel Zombies feels like them taking off of the zombie episode of What If and the positive reaction to that and trying to trying to feed off or bounce off of that. Yeah, well, so like Werewolf by Night, it deal it dwells into like the Marvel past before comics when there were more pulp books and they did do monsters, monster magazines and stuff like that. That's kind of where Werewolf by Night kind of comes into it. I do think this does still take place in the Marvel Universe. Just don't know what time. Because I don't... I think this is in the past, but it could be in the present. We don't really know. So, you know, the unknown is kind of exciting in this instance. But what we do know is that it comes out in October. All right. Let's move on to The Secret Invasion. Right. So we did get... um, Secret Invasion was next in the panel. We got a trailer that we were able to see. Um, basically, what they said in the um, in the panel is that Secret Evasion. So Kevin said it's smaller. It feels smaller in scale than the original comic Secret Invasion, um, but it's supposed to. It's in the same vein of like Captain America: Winter Soldier, where it's going to be a spy thriller. The premise is, you know, the scrolls. Apparently, there are different sect of scrolls, and there is a sect of scrolls that's been on Earth, and they they have been infiltrating Earth for years, and Nick Fury is the only one that can stop them. So, uh, the trailer is it really lends into that. Uh, we get to see a lot of scrolls uh, shape shifting, and we get to see a lot of familiar faces that we know, and the whole premise is you know the whole premise of the comics is. Who can you trust? And I think that's going. That's I would think that that is Nick Fury's credo in this show. Who can you trust? He doesn't know who to trust because the scrolls can be anyone. Um. So after watching that trailer and and thinking about it, I think the the primary thing to ask is who is going to be a scroll? Because somebody we know that we've seen in the Marvel universe before is going to be in this show and is going to be revealed to be a scroll. Now. With the way Feige described it as being smaller than the comic series, I don't think it's going to be full-blown invasion, but I do think people we know and can see are going to be scrolls. 
I have a theory as to one person I'm pretty sure is a scroll, and it would dovetail into what's going to come up next. But uh, I let Brian go first before I, I share any kind of. I mean, the me. obvious choice if you're doing that would be Marina Hill, right? She is one, yes. That's that not be, mine. That would be one of the obvious choices. The other choice would be Rhodes, which I don't know that they're going to do, uh, especially because Armor Wars is more about the the Stark relationship kind of thing, Stark Industries relationship kind of thing. You know, all hail Kevin Feige for bringing Gwyneth Paltrow back to the cinematic universe in our in our uh, in Armor Wars, which he should do, um, because again, just like with Civil War, there is absolutely no reason that Pepper Pot should not be in Armor Wars. But I digress. Um, but those would be the big two, right? Along with, you know, because you already know Cholos is a good scroll. And the other, the only other person I could think of would be Academy Award winning actress Olivia Coleman, who is Nick Fury's reported British friend who's tried to contact him over the years and has just recently heard from him. Well, let's not forget that the queen, the queen of dragons, uh, Amelia Clark, is in this is in the show. And while they did tell us who Olivia Coleman will be, they did not say who she who Amelia Clark is. So uh, that opens up the possibilities of her being a scroll. But trailer uh, looked awesome. It did. It did. Um, my my guess for scrolls is I do think Rhodes is going to be a scroll. I do think you find out that somewhere, somewhere between uh, like uh, Age of Ultron and Endgame, Rose was replaced, and he's a scroll in the show. Uh, to add to my suspicion that it's it's him, is that when the, Don Cheetah was there, and when they talked to him after this, the press talked to him after this, he said uh, that all of his scene like. All of his scenes are with Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, that doesn't sound too big, but thinking about the scope of the show and that you're going to have to have somebody that you've seen be a scroll for a while, I think he makes sense, especially since it looks like he's now not being an active superhero, but more a um, like a political agent. So I think you can make him a scroll. You can find the real him, and then that leads into Armor Wars where he's coming He's getting back abreast of everything that's going on and then see how Tony's uh how Tony's tech has in been been threatened. And, uh, and I think that fans works. We'll see the character in a whole new light. Considering the title of the series, audiences can look forward to all new suits for the hero, featuring different types of armor. Yeah. Oh, that means we get a whole bunch of different war machines. Yeah. But so if he if he is a scroll. That gives you the opportunity to say, I don't, I, I don't think he's been a scroll the whole time. I think he has to be a scroll, like really, like post Civil War, that he's a scroll. So he, so when he comes back, it's not a completely new person that we're meeting that hasn't been through any of this stuff. Uh, we would have known that, you know, he knows Tony. He's been in armor, all that stuff. He has to do all those things. Then he could have been taken. And I, I think it still leaves you in a place where you don't feel cheated with a brand new roadie, but you have implications from uh, secret secret invasion. But uh, that is Armor Wars is exciting, but I don't think we're getting that until 2020. Probably it doesn't have a date. 
So I'm assuming it's going to be 2024. It's also very interesting that Armor Wars, um, they they made people on the internet made a big deal out of the fact that Armor Wars uh, had no presence at Comic Con, and then to drag it out at D23 was, I thought, interesting. I never got why people got so upset and up in arms about um, and not being on Comic Con's thing when there were clearly spaces in that little chart that were were empty. And I don't even think he broke out the chart for D twenty three. He just announced all these things. So I think I think he got another Comic Con to just be like, okay, so now we're gonna fill in these gaps, and he's got a year to just do it. But uh. Yeah, I think so. I don't. I think we get Armor Wars in twenty twenty four. Secret Invasion we get early next year. I think it's. Uh, it doesn't say there, but I'm pretty sure it's like the first quarter of next year. So January February is where we get Secret Invasion. That's what I meant. Secret Invasion. All right, let's move on to Loki season two. Yep. So they brought out Tom Hilston. Um, and they announced that they have a new cast member for for Loki, uh, Kwan, that w- of short round and data fame. Um, which side note, there was a picture of Harrison Ford and Kwan after this together, and Harrison Ford looks so incredibly happy. And as much as I, as much as that grumpy old bastard, like, it can can really grump it up. It was really nice to see him look genuinely happy. To, to see him, but that was that. That's neither here nor there. Uh, people in the audience got to see some some Loki season two stuff, but uh, I think they're still filming it now. But we get season two of Loki in 2023. I would imagine it keeps the same date that it had before, which was in the summer of 2023. So if if it's going the way that it looks like it's going. It'll be, um, it will be Secret Invasion, Ironheart, Loki. Uh, so Secret Invasion in like January, February, Ironheart, March, April, and Loki in like June, July. So that's your first half of the year with, with your Marvel, with your Marvel series. So yeah, uh, not much more information than that. Uh, even the, the, the Jonathan Major stuff, I don't think came out of this. No, it came it, out it didn't of come other out of stuff. This. And the main thing that came out of this really was them announcing uh announcing the new cast excuse me, the new cast edition. Um which is interesting that he's joining Loki season two when he has all this new recent experience with the multiverse in uh everything everywhere all at once. I didn't even think of that. That's that's a good point. Um, but it's it's interesting and fun, and we've seen a lot of different uh, crowd shots because they have been doing some outdoor shooting for Loki season two. So we've seen Tom Hillstein reprising that role again. Um, I believe now we've gotten confirmation that he's going to be in Quantum Mania as well. I know we there were rumors he would be in Doctor Strange too, but he's uh, he's I think they've officially announced him for Quantum Mania, but I'm not sure. It's- I might have missed that one. I don't. I don't remember hearing it. But that there's so much stuff that came out. Who knows? Uh, but this this looks fun. This looks unique, and you know that we're picking up right where they left off with Loki preparing for war. Right. All right. Which, which so will, that which depending on where Loki season two drops will be a very big 
step forward for phase five and four, leading us to the Kang Dynasty and Fantastic Four. Right. And speaking of, uh, Feige did mention Fantastic Four, and he said he said he uh, officially. I have no updates <laughs> to provide except that Max Shackman is going to direct, leaving the the track the Star Trek reboot or Star Trek movie in in lurch. And uh, we're happy to have him, and we'll move on. That's it. I have nothing else to announce. Uh, so, Fantastic Four, November 8th, 2024, two years away. Um, don't expect any casting news, probably probably for like six months. But, yeah, that's, that's, that is it. That was all he said for Fantastic Four. So, moving on. Anybody surprised that we got confirmation of... Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio back as uh, as um, Kingpin in uh, in Echo after what happened in Hawkeye because because it seemed pretty clear to me that that gunshot was not fatal. Oh no, um, I'm not shocked at all. Uh, in fact, I know that scene is taken from the comics, and what happens in the comics is that um, it's pretty much the same thing. She shoots and him time- in the eye, doesn't she? Yeah, next time you see him, he has patches over both his eyes. Like, he's um, he's blinded. But that's temporary because I've read comic sense. And Kingpin is the mayor of New York and can fully see. So, it's all... Different you know, runs by different dudes. Oh, uh, well, it's Marvel, so it's all, it's all still connected. That all did happen, but, you know, stuff happens. He can see now. I don't know how deep it went. But, yeah, I was not surprised that he was confirmed for Echo... I always figured he was. Uh, I think they even conf- I don't think they confirmed Charlie Cox. I'm looking at this list. Uh, it has uh, uh, Alec Hugh Cox, Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, Devry Jacobs, Graham Greene, Cody Lightning, and Ch- Chasky Spencer. That's the cast for the show. Um, but they didn't say anything about Daredevil, even though we've said that. Well, we've heard rumors that Daredevil's coming back in that show. So Charlie Cox, the- luckiest human being on the planet. <laughs> so yeah, they brought those they brought out Echo's cast. They talked about that a little bit. It doesn't say when this is coming out, but I think this is twenty twenty four as well. And then uh the rest of the cast left and D'Onofrio stayed on stage and he's like, I'm staying here to talk about my show, which prompted Charlie Cox to come up and be like, I thought it was my show and uh then they brought that roll right into Daredevil Born Again. Um production isn't underway, but it's 18 episodes and uh what they did show was the a clip from Daredevil in which we assume is next Wednesday's episode. Right, Daredevil from uh She-Hulk. So or, or it would be this Thursday's episode. This Thursday, sorry, right? Sorry, yeah. time has no meaning for me anymore. <laughs> it's it's all one big vacuum of endless work. Right. So Daredevil Born Again coming, I think, 2024 is going to be 18 episodes. The Nafro's returning. Uh, Charlie Cox is returning. I saw a rumor today that uh, that the guy that I cannot remember his real name to save my life right now, uh, that plays Foggy, is returning. So we'll, we'll see what's coming on with Daredevil uh, much later. All, th- uh, all three seasons are on Disney Plus now, right? Yes. every Everything from Netflix is on Disney Plus. How weird, how weird is that? Because so like, then technically you're saying Defenders is canon, and Defenders is horrible. 
Well, when they uh, in the scrum that they talk when they talked after these panels, um, Charlie Cox said that uh, they're approaching it not as season four but season one. And what I take that to mean is that they're going to take what they want from the next Netflix shows and not get rid of what they don't, but just don't acknowledge it. But um, at the same time, in that same press line, he acknowledged that it was going to feel amazing to stand right across from D'Onofrio after they've had, it's been at that point five years since they stood across from each other performing these characters giving at the end of season three of of net of the netflix series so it's it's very it's a very interesting dichotomy to walk especially considering think, there's especially considering there's no jessica jones there's no luke cage and lord knows iron fist isn't anywhere to be found yeah that, so that like the only one they've chosen to pluck out of obscurity is obviously and I'd argue the most popular of those those uh, mm-hmm. characters from Netflix, which was Daredevil. Right. I wouldn't be surprised to see some of those come back. I think what the way to think about the Netflix shows, I think is going to be a more aggressive, th- aggressive version of what happened with the Incredible Hulk. Um, because while a bunch of people screamed before she Hulk, a bunch of people screamed and moaned that the Incredible Hulk, uh, that nobody, they didn't, they were acting like the Incredible Hulk didn't exist when I always knew that that wasn't the case. And then they started bringing in elements from the Incredible Hulk to say we're using them and yes, they exist. And then She-Hulk is just plainly saying, yes, the Incredible Hulk is canon. It is very much everything that happened there. We know what happened here. I think the the, the Netflix shows is going to be those things happen, but we're not going to ever directly reference them. But you know, if you watch them, you know. So you're familiar with these characters. These kind are the of, same kind characters. Kind of very similar to the last time I was in Harlem, which is a line in Avengers. Yeah, the first Avengers. In the first Avengers movie. But it doesn't go any further than that. Yeah, yeah. For a long time, that was like, it was that. And uh, also in the first Avengers, when he talked about trying to kill himself, uh, that is from The Incredible Hulk too. It's a, a cut scene. Uh, but in the deleted scenes, you can see it. He goes to the Antarctica. He goes to Antarctica and tries to kill himself. And the Hulk, he turns to the Hulk and spits out the bullet. So there'll be stuff like that. Which in the comics is where he finds Captain America's down ship. I I'm pretty sure in that cutscene you see the shield. Like this is before they planned it all out. So like you see the shield and the ice. So that that was originally part of that movie, but you know, since they cut that scene, they could again take parts. They took the part where he did this thing, but they don't take the part where the the Captain America is actually in the ice, where you could see the shield like that. All right, sir. Let's move on to the New World Order, and I'm very right. very interested here by two things, and I will let you uh, roll off the announcement. All right. So this is where we start getting. Like, I would consider major news, but we don't get any, like, new footage. So they bring out the director, Julius Ona, and he's talking about uh, New World Order and and continuing Sam's journey as Captain America. Uh, You know, this movie's coming in 2024. And it bringing back Anthony Mackie as Captain America. It's bringing back Danny Ramirez, uh, who plays Joaquin Torres, who was in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. uh, That's who got... Uh, Falcon gave his wings to 
Carl Lumbee as Isaiah Bradley is coming back. And then this is the big news to me, the newest cast member and the villain of this movie, Tim Blake Nelson, the leader is returning to the MCU. Uh, so again, more harping, more doubling down on the incredible Hulk. Tim, uh, the leader was Samuel Stearns. He's the guy that Bruce was collaborating with the blood on the last time we saw Mr. him. Red he and Mr. was Blue, on, right. Or Mr. Mr. Right. Green and Mr. Red or something like that. Mr. Green and Mr. Blue, something like that. Um, Last time we saw him, he was laying on the ground. He had just cut it, got a cut on his head, and some of Bruce's blood was dripping into his head, and it started to shift and stuff. And then the comics, the leader is a Hulk villain. Uh, he is super smart, and he's always trying to acquire the power of the Hulk to match his brain with his brawn. Uh, so as of now, this will be the first time the leader has shown back up since The Incredible Hulk. I say as of, as now, of because, now because the wrecking crew could very well be working for the leader and, and She-Hulk. Yes. Yeah. So by the time She-Hulk is over, we could see the leader. But as of now, that's that's what we know. Um, I'm surprised by two things here. One. Bringing back Isaiah Bradley, who um, Sam helped at the end of season one of uh, Falcon Warrior Soldier to get his uh, museum piece up documenting his role in the Captain America story and being a sort of mentor uh, to Sam because they have that one-on-one and that heart-to-heart that really shapes Sam and the the dialogue and the monologue that he has um, later in the series finale episode or season finale episode of Falcon Warrior Soldier. So it's a surprise to me they're bringing him back. Second thing that I'm surprised at is that there is no mention, none whatsoever, of the Power Broker, my favorite uh, character in the Captain America franchise. Um, you know, so I, I'm interested that uh, Sharon isn't Sharon Carter isn't in, on this list anywhere. Uh, I think they want to hold some surprises. And I think between this movie and the next one we'll talk about, there are probably opportunities for the Power Broker to come back. Um, it's just a matter. I mean, hell, the power broker could be behind uh, some stuff in She-Hope. We don't know yet, but I do think we'll see her again. I just don't think they want to say. Well, they have to find out that she's the power broker. That's the thing, because neither one of them knew at the end of the show that Sharon had turned had broken bad. Right. Well, it's Marvel. It's always gonna those kind of threads, even if they intentionally leave them there or unintentionally they'll always come back because that's they're good at that they're good at going back seeing what they've done and then spinning it into new or weave it into existing stories so yeah all right sir your turn all right we're in the whole stretch so two more things from marvels uh next we had the announce the the panel for thunderbolts in which we actually got um a lineup for the Thunderbolts. I don't think this is going to be the complete lineup once the movie is done, but uh, we got nice, good concept art here of the Thunderbolts consisting of uh, Valen- the, the Countessa, uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus, Val, um, Ghost from Ant-Man and the Wasp, Red Guardian, uh, Yelena Belova, uh, the second Black Widow, Bucky Barnes, uh, the Winter Soldier, 
U.S. agent uh, John Walker and Taskmaster from Black Widow. That is your lineup so far of the Thunderbolts. Uh, I think they did say in the panel that their their name in the in, in continuity their name will be in, to honor uh, General Thunderbolt Ross, who has died in the universe as well. Uh, so. You have that, and it'll be this movie's coming in July 26, 2024, two years from it now. It is the end of phase five. That's right, the end of phase five. Um, I know a lot of people made a lot of people have had qualms with this lineup. Um, I like it because most of these people we've seen all these people. There it, is it a clear a purpose for phase four for sure. Well, yeah, that and uh, but I do think I think there are going to be a couple of people that that we don't see here that are part of the team uh, because none of these characters are actual Thunderbolts or at least any incarnation of Thunderbolts that I know off the top of my head, specifically the first one. While we do have at least one character so far that, um, that we know has been part of the Thunderbolts in the comics. And you can you kind of when they say Thunderbolts, you kind of think of him first because he was the leader, and that is uh, Baron Zemo. Baron Zemo was the leader of the Thunderbolts uh, when they first started. He's in the universe, so it makes you would think you would see him in this movie in some way or fa- some way or fashion. Uh, so I do think we will get other characters. I do think um, uh, Baron Zemo will be involved in some form, and also before this panel. Uh, when Kevin Feige talked about Thunderbolts, he was like, there are people that are in this movie, part of this team that we have not met yet. So again, I don't think this is going to be the final lineup. And I agree. Um, The other thing that I will say is in regards to um, Zemo is that Zemo could very well be the anti, the protagonist of this film in the way that like he has been very much against groups like the Avengers. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like a group of anti-heroes bounds together. And it's like, Whoa, wait, this is just as bad as the other. Like this has right. no place. So like the geopolitical stance of, of Zemo, I think would be interesting. I don't expect Zemo to still be in Wakanda at the end of Wakanda forever. So I think it- there will be more opportunity, more than ample opportunity for for him to be a part of this. So, editor's note, he, Zemo is not in Wakanda. The Wakandas take him at the end of to the raft. Falcon in the But yes, he's in the raft. So, uh don't expect to see him in Wakanda forever, but I do think we'll see him more than likely in this movie. And let it so be noted that Florence Pugh did more publicity and press in more of a gleeful manner for this movie than she will for for Don't Worry Darling, which is being drowned slowly but surely in a river of its own of its own shit. So, okay, again, I'm trying to stop with tangents, but I got two things on that movie. One, uh, that's what happens when you make a movie with people you actually like. You can enjoy it and you will say things about it. Two, um, reading Twitter tonight, uh, apparently it screened somewhere in Los Angeles, and apparently the audience was overwhelmingly women that cheered for everything Harry Styles did in the movie, that booed uh, Florence Pugh most of her performance, 
and consistently booed um, Olivia Wilde while she was on screen. That has, I think it has absolutely no bearing on what people really think about this movie, but it could be one of these experiences where it is an actual experience to see this movie in the theater if you have the right crowd. And apparently opening night, uh, this has been the right crowd. I worked opening night in a movie theater of Magic Mike and Magic Mike 2. The number of cheap wine bottles I had to sweep up after that after screenings was incredible. I expect this will be the same way. Um, it sounds like the it. thing is like Harry Style fans don't know what to do because the rumors for a while were that basically um, Florence was mad at Olivia for boning Harry, and Harry was just kind of trying to do his acting thing. And it turns out that Florence's beef is not with anything to do with Harry. It's everything to do with Olivia and, more specifically, some things that occurred on set when filming intimate moments between her and Henry and uh, Harry Styles, and also the marketing materials that have been put out for the film, which have basically amped up the Fifty Shades of Grey of the sex appeal of the movie and not really the strong independent woman breaking from her male chauvinist reality and becoming her own woman, which is the whole point of the, which is the whole point of the movie and the whole point of why Florence Pugh signed up for it. So Florence feels kind of betrayed by the marketing material. And she feels kind of betrayed by the way, by some of the actions of Olivia on set. So that's where it comes from. Harry just got stuck in the middle. (laughs) And now we're going to get this, this movie that was supposed to be an Oscar contender that isn't even going to make it out of festival season. Nope. Oh, well. Um, But I am excited to see David Harbour as Red Guardian again. That's going to be fun. I mean, even that picture looks like he's having a damn blast. So uh, I I do want to see that. And I'm glad he was was really fun. I'm glad Ghost didn't get forgotten and is actually in this thing. So yeah, things like this, it gives you an opportunity to bring some of them back to get flesh them out some more. Uh, so yeah, it's it's I think it's going to be a good good for most of them all the way around. Now let's go to the panel the the uh, panel that brought the most joy and energy to the showcase because it was after this panel that these. Oh wait 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 we got one left. I know, but it was after the Marvels that they got to meet Harrison Ford, and you got the adorable picture of the entire <laughs> cast of the Marvels. With grumpy old ass Harrison Ford. See, I, I never saw the picture. I only saw the uh, the, the short round picture. Yeah, it, it, it's him with uh, old girl uh, with the entire cast of uh, with the females from um, the Marvels and the little girl, the little girl, the woman who plays Miss Marvel, just being an aghast fangirl looking at Harrison Ford in shock and disbelief. I I, I did hear her. Um, I guess. You know, there was the, the scrum that they have afterwards. I saw that. I saw part of her interview, and they asked her who did she get to meet. And the first thing she said, and you could see all the excitement in her, in her face and her voice, was like, "I got to meet Harrison Ford," but I never knew there was a picture. So that that's kind of cool. But yep, as you said, this is from the last thing to close out. Marvel at D twenty three was the Marvels, which comes out uh, next year, July twenty third. I mean, July twenty eighth, twenty twenty three. Um. The biggest news coming out of this is it gave us some of the kind of the plot, uh, the plot points is that um, 
when Miss Marvel ended, um, Kamala and and Carol switched places. And what they said here was that basically all three of the leads, uh, Carol, Kamala, and uh, and Monica, are all they all switch places. That's part of the plot. They're trying to fit. They navigating why they keep switching places and all of that is what's going to drive the plot. Uh, so that is interesting in a bunch of ways because, as far as we know, Monica's powers has nothing to do with. Um, with like the Cree, which is where Carol's powers are tied to the the Power Stone, but it was through Cree technology. Um, Kamala's bangle, even though she is a mutant, uh, the bangle channels her power, and that is from we know that is from the Cree, but Monica's powers are from Wanda. So, how are all those power? How how does she fit into all of that? Uh, that was the biggest thing I got from that. Um, and then the revelation that they got to meet Harrison Ford, and apparently there are pictures that I'm going to go look up. Yeah, uh, and I really liked that Nia DaCosta, like, showed herself really well and talked very passionately about her film and is ready for people to see it, which is a really good thing. And I'm, I think this is going to be the most interesting. This is probably the Marvel movie I'm looking forward to the most in 2023, just simply because... I think Miss Marvel, uh, Captain Marvel is an underrated film in the MCU, and fanboys can you know roast me. I'm a Mark Sanchez fan. I'm used to it, um, and I also am interested in what happens like with uh, Tara Paris, uh, um Monica Rambo, because we have not seen her since the end of WandaVision, and the last thing we heard from her was she was supposed to go into outer space because she wanted to speak with her. So um, it'll be interesting to see where they pick up from there. I like the switching places thing, um, the fish out of water stuff you can do with that. Um, and I just, I just, there's a lot of interesting ground to tread there, especially on the galactic side. Yeah. Um, I, I am excited for this. I'm more excited about it now, hearing more about yeah, you, it. You won't get footage uh, from it until, until uh, Quantumania, which will be February. If not, if they end up, they might end up doing that thing. I don't know what the date exactly is on the Super Bowl this year, but they might do that thing where they release a trailer for the Marvels on the Super Bowl and then play that trailer in the theaters for Quantum Mania. Um, but we'll see. But but I do, I don't think you see actual footage from this until February. Right. Um, and I am I am looking at these pictures now. And they are so adorable. Uh, even Brie Larson is like in shock at looking at Harrison Ford. Yeah, this is I, this is good stuff. Good stuff. You know, you know right. what is also good stuff, Chad? A movie that you believed would never happen. A movie that you named fantasy football teams after in hopes that they would eventually never make this movie. And they have. They have made this movie. And in fact, they have started already started production on Avatar 4. So let's talk as we are days away from the re-release of the original movie. Let's talk about Avatar, the way of water and the reaction to the 3D immersive screening that was shown at D23 of the footage that it, of the Godfather saga for the 21st century. I don't want to talk about this movie. 
but if you're going to make Dances these, with Wolves uh, with Blue People, Chad, go to the theater on yes. Friday. Watch the whole two hours and 45 minutes of it again. I don't want to. I'm tempted because I've never seen it in 3D. I've only seen it once uh, at my house many, many years later. So I'm tempted just because of that. But um, I am the whole thing about this movie is seeing what technology, what technological feats James Cameron has accomplished with this one and showing them footage in 3D that's probably got people that saw it real hype. So I want I want to see that. So if there is a movie coming, I mean, I guess I'd have to see Avatar this weekend and they'll probably have a trailer for Avatar 2 in 3D this weekend. So if I want to see that, I guess that's it. But I mean, I, there's outside of that, I don't really there's nothing about this movie that's appealing. Uh, I don't even think the the thing that was most interesting to me was that Sigourney Weaver is playing one of these damn kids. I don't even know if that came from this panel or not. Uh, no, that's been, that out, there. That's been out there for a while. That she she plays the teenage daughter of Zoe Zaldana and Jake Sully. Well, the, Jake Sully's daughter, teenage daughter, who is the fully Navi. Uh, he has a son who is half human, half Navi. And um, so in our other guy, Steven, whatever his name is, he is playing a uh, cloned version of his villain from the original. Oh, uh, um, Stephen Lang. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. I, whatever. Who cares? Who cares? It's the biggest movie in the history of the world until Endgame came along. It's going to be big. It's yeah. going to be huge. People are going to dance like wolves as blue people at every Comic-Con from here on out. It's going to be big. It's going to be huge. I don't know if it's going to be big and it's huge as the first one, but it will be big and huge. I just don't care. See, I'm different. I don't think the film makes a billion dollars. I, I kind of don't either. I don't think the film makes a billion dollars. We could both be terribly wrong, and there could be a, a shit ton of, of Avatar nostalgia out there, and the first reviews could hit, and they could talk about how immersive a new experience it is, and how the technology has grown, and how the 4K technology has helped make things even more photorealistic, but I don't necessarily think it's going to be the case. We'll see. Uh, yeah, we will. Uh, it's, it's coming upon us sooner than I would like to think, but it's, it's almost here. But what is also almost what is also here is that we made it through the list. Yeah, congratulations, Chad. We have we have, we have almost set a record. We are sitting at two hours and thirty minutes worth of podcast on the second half of our D twenty three extravaganza. And our dumbasses were going to try to do this all in one. Well, I mean that's why I was like, yeah, there's no way. Like we're we'll be here for four hours. Let's just go home. Let's just go to bed and get some rest. Sleep is is a very important thing to those of us who don't get much of it. So, um, but speaking of that, what is the thing that popped the most for you out of D twenty three? Um, I mean, it's got to be. I don't know. It's this is the downside to doing this two weeks after the fact. Um, I mean, I was, I know I was most excited about finding out the Marvel stuff. 
um, and seeing them say things about like Armor Wars and and um, Ironheart was all that. But real like story wise, the biggest thing I think was the fact that the leader was coming back. That and the whole captain, the the whole Marvels thing with them switching places. Those were the biggest things, like story wise, to me. Uh, mostly because I thought, I thought either we were getting a leader in She Hulk or we weren't getting him at all. And to see him introduce, reintroduced in a way, uh, as of now, with Sam Wilson and not Bruce Banner, that's you know different. Purists might have a problem, but I think it's going to be interesting, and I want to see how that goes. Um, biggest biggest pop for me uh, from D23 was something that was not announced, and I was excited for and hoping for an announcement on a Chippendale Rescues Rangers sequel, um, because I really did love that movie and felt a kinship and a connection with that film. Um, that was very much, very awesome, and you have some very powerful and important comedians and, and entertainment folks who were behind that movie. So I was hoping we would get an announcement of a, of a Chippendales too, but um, it didn't quite work out that way. Of the stuff that was announced, I was uh, the most surprised by that Thunderbolts lineup because the Hollywood Reporter article that dropped in June about them doing a Thunderbolts movie didn't specify which... Um, which lineup they were using or which actors they'd asked or requested to hold some space in their schedules to film. Um, so that was the lineup was a surprise to me and no Zemo in that lineup was a surprise to me given the the, the given the background. Um, so uh, the comic background. So so there's that. And also the fact that animated movies from Disney live on despite the fact that you know it's mostly been Pixar that has carried the banner for that side for a long time outside of the Frozen franchise. Yeah, I'm always, uh, you know, pulling for the animated stuff to go on. Um, it, it is it is nice to see it. I wish we get some more hand-drawn stuff. Um, I will say that because we covered some of, the, some of the stuff last time, it really is confusing what stuff they decided to put in strictly Pixar and what stuff they put into... Uh, into the Disney animated for TV stuff. Because, uh, like, what the, I'm thinking of, I can't place it. There's a Pixar thing that's a show that we talked about last time. But just the fact that we talked about last time, I cannot remember what it is. Uh, I, I'm just curious about their rhyme or reason to why they did that with certain things and not others. Yeah, branding is a whole deal for Disney. So it... it doesn't really surprise me at this point. All right, Chad, so that'll about do it for this week's episode. If you want to keep up with this podcast, you can talk, uh, keep up with us and follow us on Twitter on at on the brain pod. I am at BCW tiger fan. And I'm at the Mets theory. I had to think about it cause I'm tired. It's late. All right. Thank you very much. And all hail Mark Sanchez. The church of Sanchez meets on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Do not be divert. Do and not be fl- diverted to the church or church of Filoni. Filoni's right next door. They got more members. They probably got food too. Go there. <laughs> <laughs>